the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. It's a Monday. No rain over the weekend. That was a good thing. Uh, Some of the water has receded upriver, but still we haven't even had the crest. From what I understand, that's supposed to come sometime late tomorrow or Wednesday, and there is rain in the forecast for the rest of the week. You know, look, we're at that time in uh, the late spring where, and, you know, just before summer kicks in. Summer kicks in here in about two weeks. I think it's, what, two weeks on Thursday that uh, we'll have uh, summer 21st, something like that. Bottom line, uh, expect that um, we'll see some more rainfall. I had been tra- uh, checking out uh, my AccuWeather, and here's what it's saying. Today, we might see a thunderstorm around this afternoon. I'm watching color radar. Looks like there's rain right now, some thunderstorms in the Fort Smith area, and uh, the rain is moving in a northeasterly direction. But it's building out around the Sherman, Texas uh, area and towards the Panhandle. Um, Looking at what we might see later on today. And it's not looking like any rain showing up here until later this evening. Uh, Looking hour by hour. uh, I'm not seeing any rain being showing up here in our area until sometime tomorrow afternoon. So as far as I'm concerned, that's good news. That's good news. But as you know, and I know, in this time of the year, you know, 30 and 40% chances of rain is the the, the norm. Uh, sometimes 50%, and sometimes it hits in the area you're in. Sometimes it doesn't. We don't need any more moisture, to be honest, uh, here in in Arkansas. And uh, I don't know exactly what's going on uh, further to uh, the north. Uh, my AccuWeather says rain and thunderstorm from Wednesday morning to Thursday afternoon. And then let me read you the last three words. Can lead to flooding. Those are three words we could have done uh, without so um, you know that's what what we're what we're looking at so anyway bottom line is uh more rain this week just hopefully it's not a lot when i look at my weather uh and i i go back and check out what uh what they're saying and uh look at how much they're calling for on a daily basis, I get to Wednesday. Wednesday during the daytime, about a third of an inch. That evening, about a quarter of an inch. Um, Thursday, seemed like to me there's about, yeah, there's a, 
there's almost an inch that they're calling for on Thursday and a third of an inch Thursday night. On Friday, looks uh, are 64% probability, maybe a half an inch, and six-tenths of an inch uh, overnight. And uh, then we looks like we get back to kind of normal of no, none. So maybe a little over an inch of rain Wednesday to Thursday, but I'm not seeing uh, any word saying that we're going to get torrential rain. I mean, like last Wednesday when we got four inches of rain in about two hours. That's what we don't need. That's the stuff that really causes a problem. I got out this weekend and, and cut some areas in my lawn uh, that where the water runs from the top of the hill to the bottom. I uh, got everything really, 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 really wet. Uh, I I got out there in the mud and, and, and tried to cut the grass back so that as it was sunny and hot over the weekend, we were able to, to dry some of that up, which it did. I went out last night about 7.30, you know, just before sunset, and uh, was able to get some more uh, cut. And so it's got a... Got a pretty good day of sunshine uh, thus far, although it is clouding up considerably now here, at least in the central Arkansas area. And like I said, it's raining out in the Fort Smith area uh, right now. Doesn't look like that's working its way directly uh, towards us. Our thanks from bumper to bumper and uh, here at 101.1 FM, the answer for your turning out to the car show had a great turnout of people had a great turnout of uh, of cars i don't believe we hit the 200 car mark i may have to wait until next year but we were well into about 170 something cars and there were some beautiful beautiful automobiles out there to look at looked like meachams came to conway's what it looked like there was some just mirror shined up looking automobiles under those lights and people seem to be having a good time uh, taking it all in i didn't hear who the winner was um i'll give a call to joe uh, here later on the show we'll see if he can't get on with us and and tell us or if uh if jerry's listening maybe he'll just call in and, and give us uh who the winners uh, were as we sit here and uh worry about rain let's uh let's just uh, know that uh you know things will be cool it's going to be okay god's taking care of it all but boy the water is up now, jake hatley has been posting some pretty cool pictures on on facebook of uh the arkansas river and i mean the water is way way up you drive right now if you go over the uh the river bridge as you're driving to or from home for for work, and look out on the Arkansas River, uh, the uh, traffic slows down big time on the bridge because people everybody's checking it out, and everybody can see how high the river is. What did I hear, Russ? You've lived here most of your life. Was it 1990 that there was the big big flood here? Something like that. I can't remember the exact year, but it was in the 90s. Okay, and they're saying that 
uh, a little bit more rain and we're going to be back in that kind of situation again not far off to be honest with you i i uh one of our stations had a problem it's down on the river down there by dickie stevens park uh, yeah faith talk 99.5 and we luckily i thought it was something other than this but a transformer blew at the substation down there so i had i was down at the ballpark on saturday night for faith and family night and i got a phone call that the station was off the air went down to check it out and i had to walk a quarter of about an eighth of a mile because of the barricades that are down there on on that riverfront drive yeah and got down there and luckily everything's fine at the transmitter everything's so dry, i've been dry worried there, about right? that okay it was all dry there at the transmitter well not all dry there is a sinkhole off to one side of the tower but okay a big pool if you will of water but it's the the ground is dry up underneath the the shed good yeah, that's good news. And how far is the river from it? I'm going to say it's probably about 20 yards. Wow. That's a lot closer I've ever seen it around that area. Now, where I parked my vehicle, yeah. I was parked on in the right-hand lane. Uh, I'd say about a foot from the left-hand lane is where the water was. Wow. Wow. Well, I know that you can't get to the uh, the submarine down in that oh no area. you can't i mean if you have if you go across the main street bridge and you look down yeah you'll see the submarine is out there in the water and uh water is up up on the uh on the levee wall over there uh, by the uh by the submarine yeah it's amazing it's amazing it's a lot of water and of course we heard what jr said about how much water was going if you stood on the arkansas river every second how much water was passing and it is a huge huge amount of water and uh, i guess we haven't had the full effect yet don't know when exactly that crest is coming Um, i'm assuming now that the crest has moved past some of the areas up north in russellville and dardanelle and those those areas they need a little respite and the only way they're going to get that is uh, for that crest to get by and the water to start lowering a tad. But that's not even going to happen until you've got uh, a lot of that that water uh, moving out of the plains. And uh, I'll take a look at that in just a moment, give you some more information on that. Uh, during this hour, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, senator from New York, was on Fox News over the weekend and we'll hear some of her testy little remarks about fox news uh in this hour as well as the acting department homeland security uh, secretary talking about what's going on on the border and that's all coming up yet robert steinbach will join us at three o'clock uh joe from conduit news will join us at five o'clock we've got a lot of things to talk about today and I'm, I'm going to be on the Paul Harrell show early Friday morning uh, at about 7.30-ish to, for him. To, he wants to ask me some questions about my take on the uh, last General Assembly, what I thought about it. You you already know. You've, you've listened to me. But he wants his other listeners on his other stations here in the state to hear what I have to say. All right. 
Let's take a break, then we'll come back. we got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 18 minutes after 2 on a Monday. Right now, it's dry outside. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you along for the ride. Kirsten Gillibrand was on Fox News with Chris Wallace over the weekend doing her little uh, town hall, and uh, she was uh, pretty feisty. She's trying to get some traction uh, in the the run for the uh, Democratic nomination. Hasn't been working for her all that much. She's not at this time looking good for the debate stage, so to speak. But she was uh, talking to Chris Wallace, and uh, she got into it about how Fox News uh, has been uh, – reporting on the defense of abortion and uh, listen to what she has to, uh, to say and what Chris Wallace has to say. Chris said, I am a retired nurse, um, pediatrics actually, so I dealt quite a bit with preemies. Um, what I'm asking you, Senator, is what is your position on late-term abortion or last trimester abortions? Well, thank you for serving our community and helping our babies, particularly our preemies who deeply need the medical care they have. Um, My view on women's reproductive freedom is that it should be a woman's decision to make these most intimate life and death decisions for themselves. Um, A woman should be able to decide when she's having children, how many children she's having, and under what circumstances she's having. And what we have created, unfortunately, is a false choice and a false narrative. And Chris, I want to talk about the role that Fox News plays in this because it's a problem. Um, I can tell you before President Trump gave his State of the Union, uh, Fox News talked about infanticide. There, infanticide Senator, doesn't, it doesn't Senator, exist. Senator, I just want to say we brought you here for I know, I just, an hour. We have given you, we're, we're treating you that. very fairly. I understand that maybe to make your credentials with the, with the Democrats who are not appearing on Fox News, you, you're going to attack us. I'm not sure. It's frankly very polite when okay, we've invited in you to be way. here. I will do it in a polite way, but it's a to her Well, point. I just, I just it's think, why don't, we, why don't we, instead of talking about question. Fox News, why don't you answer Susan's so, question? The debate about uh, whether or not women should have reproductive freedom has turned into a red herring debate. And what happens on Fox News is relevant because they talked about infanticide for 6.5 hours. 6.5 hours, uh, right before President Trump's State of the Union, um, mentioned it 35 times. That is not the debate of what access to reproductive care is in this country. It doesn't happen. It's illegal. It's not a fact. And I believe all of us have a responsibility to talk about the facts. The facts are that women in this country have had a constitutional right for over 30 years to make this fundamental life and death decision. And this president has emboldened legislatures in 30 states to begin to criminalize that decision. Criminalize the decision of whether or not and when you want to have your children. Criminalizing the doctors with a 99-year sentence if they are offering abortion services and providing the care that women need. Why should... Male legislatures across this country decide when you're having children, how many children you're having, and under what circumstances. I don't understand it. It's a human right. It's about having bodily autonomy. It's about being able to control your physical self. It's undermining every human right, civil right that we could have. 
So let women make these most personal decisions. For many people, it's a moral decision. For many people, it's a medical decision. So why can't they make it with their doctor, with their families, with their husband, based on their own faith, how they believe and what they feel? It is that woman's right. I get so tired of hearing that argument because who did she not mention? Who did she not mention? The baby. That's right. It's only, there's two people involved, but there's only one person's decision. I got problems with that type of logic. When Here's, here's the key about having children. If you decide to have sex, you have to decide in your mind, because there is Always the possibility, no matter what birth control you use, no matter how you try to get around from not getting pregnant, that you might get pregnant. And with that thought in mind, it should be, okay, when I'm having sex with whomever I want to have sex with, that's a decision you make as a woman. It's your decision. Just like when you become pregnant, there's another person involved that can't be asked their decision. And her whole red herring argument is not a red herring. Because what New York State did about abortion rights, what Virginia did and what the governor there said opened up that decision And there have been cases of infanticide in this country. And when she talked about states passing laws with a 99-year prison sentence, there's only one state that passed that piece of legislation. It was Alabama. That's it. Nobody else has that in their laws. She's the one spreading the red herring, she's the one who refuses to deal with the question she was asked and used it as a methodology to get away from answering what the woman asked in the first place. Let's play that over again and just listen to what the listen to what the question was that the lady asked. And then uh, do we still have that? Can we play the very beginning of the, the cut number one? Here you go. Listen to what the lady asked. As Chris said, I am a retired nurse, um, pediatrics actually, so I dealt quite a bit with preemies. Um, what I'm asking you, Senator, is what is your position on late-term abortion or last trimester abortions? Okay, well, that's enough. Our- All right. What did she ask her? What is your thoughts about the end of the pregnancy and should there be allowed should women be allowed to have abortions now she took that question never answered it never answered it now you could got into if if they'd let her have a follow-up that'd be fine i mean chris wallace even mentioned it to her you haven't answered uh the question you know he she she hadn't didn't answer it didn't want to answer it Because her answer would have been, I'm assuming she believed that abortion should be legal 
up and until the delivery. And then that allows the next question, well, what if the child still is born? What happens to the child then? And that's a question none of them wants to answer. It's been answered in a few other states. They believe you give, you know, uh, some uh, care and let the child die. Did you hear the cool thing that the Queen of England gave our president today as a very nice memento of his trip to Britain today? Did you hear? Yeah. Gave him an original copy. Original. Not a, a reprint or hang on, an original copy of Winston's Winston Churchill's book about World War II. Would that not be awesome? I mean, I'm that is very it. awesome. And uh, and I guess an obsidian pensa. Of course, you know that where that's going to reside for the rest of eternity. Yeah, Smithsonian probably end up Smithsonian there. or in the White House itself. Yeah, it won't. It won't end. the The president doesn't get to keep that stuff. <laughs> doesn't work that way. So anyway. We'll talk. We'll talk later, here in a moment. You got I got people in my studio making motioning things to me. So tell him I'll come see him during the break. <laughs> come see him during the break. All right, it's uh, two thirty-six. Let's go back to uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, and here's what she had to say about. How we can prevent more Virginia Beach shootings. This was what she had to say. I heard the three points you specifically made. Having said that, none of them would have prevented what happened in Virginia Beach. This gentleman, he didn't buy an assault weapon. He had two handguns. He bought them legally. So how do you prevent? I understand that you, this, all of your plans aren't going to stop all of them, but is there anything you could have done that would have stopped this terrible incident? Yeah, stop being beholden to the NRA like President Trump is. He does President Trump's bidding. Remember, after the shooting in Las Vegas, he said, yeah, yeah, we're going to ban the bump stocks. Did he ban the bump stocks? No, because the NRA came crashing down and said, don't you dare do any restrictions on our guns around this country. It is such a false choice. The NRA is lying to the American people. It is not stocks, about folks. the Second Amendment. It is about gun sales. Be very clear. If you are not supporting the Violence Against Women's Act, it's because you want to make sure an abuser who has a restraining order against him can buy a weapon. It is literally about greed and corruption and making sure the status quo says the same. Do not let them lie to you. The things that I told you, the three things I want to accomplish, Almost all Americans support getting that done. Most NRA members support getting that done. So it's not about one gun death, Chris, because if it was, we would have done this long ago. We would have done something after the Sandy Hook shooting. We would have done something after the hundreds of gun deaths we've seen under President Trump and over the last decade. But Congress has no guts. They got no spine because they're bought and paid for. Hey. Because they're bought and paid for by the NRA. Not the case. Not the case. Bump stock. Can't go out and buy them now. 
They got rid of them. They've already gotten rid of bump stocks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She kept saying that they're out there. They're not out there anymore. She well, said they may be out there. The but president. They're... No, she said the president bowed to the NRA and they didn't make him illegal. Yes, they did. They sure as heck did make they him made illegal. him illegal. They can't sell him anymore. Nope, they cannot. But guess what? You're you supposed, got one. And if you got one, you're supposed are you to turn it in. Are you give it up? Yeah. Well, because nobody tracked him. Yeah. Ain't nothing about being tracked. The only way you can track them is if you make up your mind that you're going to have a situation. We'll talk about this further tomorrow. But just let you know that Kirsten Gillibrand, that is totally erroneous what she just said. Totally erroneous, and I'm surprised that Chris Wallace didn't even ask about it. That's uh, the way it all went. We need to have universal. we got to have universal background checks. Was that cut two or cut three? Two, okay. So she went on. She went on. So let's hear what she had to say. She had to go on and say more. Here's cut three. Is that what would you do differently to reduce the gun violence and the deaths in in America where all the previous president, they tried but failed? More specifically, would your plans have prevented the senseless massacre that happened in Virginia Beach last Friday? Well, thank you for asking that question, because I can tell you, Americans are feeling ripped apart by the gun death we have seen year after year, month after month, children dying. Um, We need to do something about it. And I think the most outrageous thing that's happened to our democracy is how much fear and division and hate has been spread. What? I think the NRA is the worst organization in this country for doing exactly that. They care more about their profits than the American people. They care more about selling guns to someone on the terror watch list or someone with grave mental illness or someone uh, who has a violent criminal background. They're against universal background checks. They're no, even we're not. against ending the violence against women's act. So we need as Americans to stand up corruption of the NRA. And we know why. It's because of money and politics. Money in politics is the name of the game. It's why the first thing that I've done as a presidential candidate is put forth a very comprehensive platform for publicly funded elections so that your voice is as loud as any Koch brothers, so that your voice is not drowned out by the hundreds of millions of dollars spent on negative What you want to do is break the Constitution. And so I will do three things as president. First, I will make sure we have universal background checks. We already have. Second, I will make sure we ban the bump stocks. The already means the assault rifles, the military style weapons. I will make sure we have a federal anti-trafficking law. And once we get money out of politics, the NRA will end its chokehold on members of Congress who have no courage to stand up to them and do the right thing on behalf of their constituents and the American people. All right. Stop right there. All right. Let's go back because that was a flat out fabricated answer if I've ever heard one. Completely. We have universal background checks. Go buy a gun sometime and fill out the paperwork to get your gun, okay? We have you got your- a warrant out for your arrest. Guess what? The FBI is going to stop it right in its tracks, and you're going to have to go out and do everything you can to prove that you are eligible to buy a yeah, gun. It's crazy what she's saying. Bump stops already banned. They've already been banned. How she keeps getting away with saying that they're not is amazing to me.
They have been banned. I can't run over to Bullseye or to any of the other uh, gun stores around the area and buy a bump stock. Not, it's not available anymore. Just go, uh, unbelievable. She's running on fabrication here. Just like she didn't want to answer the questions about, uh, you know, the deal dealing with uh, abortion. You know, she she pushed that to the side. Woman drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. What if if you please give us some new ideas? And and you shouldn't be able to go out and buy military style weapons. She said, like what the army has. Well, you can't unless you pay a whole lot of money to the federal government. You know, those people that you sit next to in the Senate years ago, they said if you paid uh, X amount of dollars for a uh, license to buy that gun, you could. And then if you want to pay the extra, I don't know, sixteen, eighteen, twenty thousand $20,000 to have a fully automatic weapon, you can do so and jump through all the rings and the hoops and whatever. But the average Joe and Joette out there, they don't have that. They have a semi-automatic rifle that's dressed up to look military. It's not military. Go hang out with Boxer and all the rest of them that went into the catalogs back in the 90s and said, ooh, that looks dangerous. Let's make that one illegal. Go ahead, Kristen, go ahead and do it. Unbelievable. If a wall was closer to me here in the studio, I'd bang my head against the wall because to listen to somebody just flat-out lie is amazing. And to let it let it just happen that way. That's just incredible to me. And don't forget PI Roofing Home Solution now cleans out gutters. They bought out Tommy's uh, gutter cleaning service, and now they've taken that over, and they're going to bring their professionalism to making sure you get the highest quality gutter cleaning services at a great value to you. And on top of that, you join up with them uh, for your gutter cleaning. Know that if you got a problem with your roof, they have a comprehensive roofing uh, people to take care of all that for you. They'll walk your roof, make sure there's no places that are, you know, losing its viability to protect your house from leaks, and they can fix that for you. And on top of that, if you happen to have a leak and it's caused a problem in your uh, uh, bedroom or your bathroom, the ceiling, on the wall for some mold or whatever, they have home repair expertise as well, and they can take care of all of that. Because contractors typically are not going to take those jobs. They're just not big enough. PI Roofing will take care of it. You can learn more by going to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. All right, back with you here on Dave Ellswick's show. Don't forget about my good friend, Dwayne Smith, motorcycle rider. He's gone to Sturgis a few times, just went a couple of years ago. Said that's probably his last time because it's a long ride to Sturgis and back. So that's just something to keep that uh, in mind. But uh, Agent Dwayne Smith with the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency has 
the professionals that you need to talk to that can save you money. They'll keep Mr. Mayhem off of your property, out of your car, things of that nature, and uh, take good care of you. Give them a call at 501-819-0373. That's 501-819-0373. And set up a time that you can go in and sit down and talk with one of his professionals over at, uh, you know, Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency and uh, discuss with them what Allstate can do with you with the insurance you already got. Can they save you money? You know, think, can they get you more coverage? You need to talk to them about that. And the only way to do that is to bring in your insurance, let them look at it, and then, you know, sit down and look left to right and look at the, the two different uh, policies and tell you what the best is that they can do for you. Uh, call 501-819-0373 and then sit down and talk to a professional at Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. Okay, so I want to play some uh, information here for you from the acting Department of Homeland Security Secretary about what's going on on the uh, the border. And let, let's start off with cut number four. How many people have they apprehended uh, at this time last year? Last quick question. The U.S. is on track to have more than a million migrants, a million undocumented immigrants enter the country this year. Of that million, how many do you think are dangerous individuals? 500,000 of the million? 1,000 of the million? How many? So last year, we apprehended 17,000 criminals at the border and, and an additional 808 known gang members. Uh, and that was 808? Yeah. That was on about half the crossing level we're facing today. The other challenge we have is that our humanitarian mission, processing these families, trying to care for these kids, is pulling our agents off the line. Forty percent of our agents are involved in processing and care uh, of families and children right now. They are not on the borderline, so we don't even know what we're missing with confidence. We need to be out there on the line, securing the border against those that are trying to evade capture, the smugglers bringing drugs across, and, as you noted, potential criminals and, and gang members in that flow. All right, Acting Secretary uh, McAleenan, thanks for t- so much for your time. We appreciate it. All right, Macalina. By the way, let me give you another fact. Out of those people that they stop and they give them their form and it tells them they have a date to appear before a judge and the judge will then, uh, you know, have something to say about their case, nine out of ten don't even show up. You heard that right. Nine out of ten don't even show up show up and and what about uh migrant children you know this has been the big deal uh you know we're separating parents from kids they got started under obama i think everybody knows that by now but uh let's let's hear about why uh they have these deaths number one we do know that one of the reasons that's happened is that kids have been sick uh, that have come into, um, you know, our facilities. And then they're there for a lot longer than they used to be. A 16-year-old boy who died after spending a week at... 
Now, six children have died in custody, six, six migrant children have died in government custody since September, including a 16-year-old boy who died after spending a week at a DHS facility in Texas. We know that undocumented children are being held in DHS custody longer than the, the legal 72-hour maximum. Right. What's the longest you've been holding some of these children? So the, the longest cases will be when someone's gone to the hospital and spent time in, in hospital care. So they're still technically in our custody, but they're, they're not in a, a board patrol station during that time. I, I think what we're concerned about is the average hours in custody is increasing, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why HHS needs this funding. They need to be able to buy additional beds, especially for teenage males, which is the, the number one uh, demographic that's crossing right now unaccompanied uh, as children, and we need to be able to move people very quickly to HHS custody to a better situation. So just for the people who don't know who are watching hhs is the ones that's the that's the government agency charged with with taking care of the migrant children correct uh whether the ones that were separated from their parents in the past the policy that i don't think is going on any longer uh or the ones who are unaccompanied a statement from hhs to abc news says that its agencies quote shelters have beds available and they are ready to receive these unaccompanied uh, uh migrant children when processed by dhs um, so they say they have some beds available. So just to clarify this and make it very clear, we, we've got 2,300 children in custody right now. These are unaccompanied minors. Unaccompanied minors in custody. Uh, HHS has on any given day three to 400 beds available. So yes, we're moving kids to their beds every single day, but we, we have many more in custody than they have capacity for. That's why they've asked Congress for a supplemental $3.3 billion to increase their capacity for beds. All right. Unbelievable. 2,300 unaccompanied all right these are just teenagers coming across the border and then we put them we give them a bed uh on top of that you've got all these people that have been uh, arrested at the border or not even hardly arrested anymore they just go up and tell somebody i'm here in the united states i need some help last year they apprehended seventeen thousand criminals at the border and an, an additional 808 known gang members. That would be any gang member, but uh, percentage of that is MS-13, and we understand how bad the infestation of uh, MS-13 uh, has been here in the United States uh, as well. So, you know, for people who say there's no crisis on the border, you know, what glue are you sniffing? You know, I'd like to know because there's a huge, there is a huge problem because the DHS secretary said that as many as we picked up this year, it's far less, or last year, it's far less than what we've picked up this year. And uh, in Guatemala, they're talking to the people down there and they're saying, you know, you know, be damned, America. We're coming whether you want us or not. We're coming to your country, and uh, we expect that you will let us in your country to do uh, uh, what we want to do. We want to we want to move in. That's what you want. Anyway, just something to keep in mind of what's going on out there uh, in, the, in the wonderful world of our border. And there's nothing under control because the Democrats refuse to come to the table about anything. They want it to stay just the way it is so that uh, perhaps they can make some hay out of it and uh, show, um, you know, 
the way things are are going. I mean, I, I, I the the Democrats just want to keep the president tied up and nothing happening. That's the whole thing. We'll just have to see what uh, what what gets over uh, on all of this. Again, the number of citizen applications has reached a five-year high. Let me give you that again. Let me read off some of this to you. In the face of shrieks and screams from Democrats about President Trump's actions, dealing about immigration, a backlog at U.S. citizenship uh, and immigration services, that's a USCIS, one fact was revealed Friday that somehow escaped the mainstream media. Over the weekend, USCIS released their 2018 financial year report, and lo and behold, the number of citizenship applications for the Department of Homeland Security actually reached a five-year high. Not only that, that number came in the face of a 61% increase from 2017 to 2018 in affirmative asylum applications. The Washington Times said when the whole uh, panoply of humanitarian programs is considered asylum, refugees, crime victim visas, and etc., temporary protected status and screening for credible fear or reasonable feel of persecution, the numbers were 32% higher than fiscal year 2017. So they're listening on the on the border, but they're coming in such a wave that we can't handle it all. Democrats, are you listening? They need money. So Dave Ellswick show, Robert Steinbach up next. All right. Robert Steinbach is here. Robert is of course a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law, UALR, and his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or of the university. Robert, how are you doing today? Doing great, my friend. How are you? Where you're living at, is it high and dry? Yeah, I think I'm at 400 feet elevation or something. I have a view of, partial view of Burns Park, and you know, there's a soccer or soccer fields over there. Yes. Entirely underwater. Oh, yeah. Entirely. Yeah, that area is... Now you know, actually I have a great view of the river. Because yeah. it's three times the size. It's a lot closer to you. Exactly. Okay, so if, you, if you're listening closely to the weather, they told you that the... Arkansas River will crest here in Little Rock tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So. I was wondering that because it looked like it actually got higher over the last few days. Oh, it has. Yeah. It yeah. definitely has. It's been driving me crazy because if you drive into Little Rock, as I do from Cabot, you go over the river bridge and everything goes 20 miles an hour because everybody's looking over it. Yeah, I, I was driving over that 430 bridge and I looked over to the was big... Was that your car? That was, was my car down? In, in the left lane going 20. And I was looking <laughs> over to the big damn bridge, the walking bridge, and the north Little Rock side at the end looked like it was underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I just know this. If you go over the bridge, over the, uh, over the uh, Arkansas River, going down by downtown... It's amazing how high it is it, and, and how fast it is flowing. It is moving. I think it was last week that uh, J.R. Uh, from the, the governor's office said that if you stand beside the Arkansas River and watch it go past you, uh, 21 times the flow of what goes over Niagara Falls has gone past you. Wow. And if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, you know how impressive all that water is. 
Well, think about if it was 21 times that going over a fall. It's amazing. It's amazing. It would really be roaring then. Robert, you said that you went and you looked over there at the Big Damn Bridge and the foot of it and on the North Little Rock side, the Maumel side, if you will, is, yes, underwater. It is underwater. That is Cook's Landing. Yeah. Cook's Landing is completely underwater. It's closed. Wow. You can't get down there. Amazing. down there. It's amazing. Do you realize how many feet that is? That's an incredible amount oh, yeah. of water that oh, is risen. It's, it's there. unbelievable. Really, really is. All right. I, I was talking about Senator Kirsten. You said it's Gillibrand. No, I said it's Gillibrand. Gillibrand. It's okay, Gillibrand. Jill. I'm, I'm going to change, yeah, change it to a J, J for phonetics. I'm putting the J in there. So right. I say Gillibrand now. And uh, she was on Fox News over the weekend for her town hall. Right. And... I want first of all I want you to listen closely to the the question that the lady from the audience asked because uh the senator is not going to a- answer the lady's question. Well D- Dave we don't really need to listen to the questions because politicians never answer the yeah, questions. Yeah, well <laughs> this lady this, this this is unbelievably wrong. I'm waiting and for then, it. and then I got some gun control stuff. You can't go out and buy a bump stock now. No, the the Trump administration, the Republican Trump administration banned them. Say that again. The Republican Trump administration banned bump stocks. Okay, we'll get into right. that in just a second yep. for what the senator is saying. Of okay? course, of course. All right, so let, let's start off with abortion. Mm-hmm. All right, listen to the question. Then listen to the answer. Here right. we go. Chris right. said, I am a retired nurse, um, pediatrics actually. So I dealt quite a bit with preemies. Um, what I'm asking you, Senator, is what is your position on late-term abortion or last-trimester abortions? Well, thank you for serving our community and helping our babies, particularly our preemies, who t- d- deeply need the medical care they have. Um, my view on women's reproductive freedom is that it should be a woman's decision to make these most intimate life-and-death decisions for themselves. What? Um, so what she a woman asked should you. be able to decide when she's having children, how many children she's Is having, and under what circumstances she's having. And no. what we have no. created, unfortunately, is a false choice and a fa- false narrative. And Chris, Continue I want to on. talk about the role that Fox News plays in this because it's a problem. Um, I can tell you, before President Trump gave his State of the Union, uh, Fox News talked about infanticide. Infanticide doesn't it doesn't exist. Senator, I just want to say we brought you here for an hour. We have given you we're we're treating you very fairly. I understand that maybe to make your credentials with the with the Democrats who are not appearing on Fox News, you you're going to attack us. I'm not sure. It's frankly very polite when okay, we've invited in you to way. be here. I will do it in a polite way, but it's a to her Well, point. I just, I just it's think, why don't, we, why don't we, instead of talking about question. Fox News, why don't you answer Susan's so, question? The debate about uh, whether or not women should have reproductive freedom has turned into a red herring debate. And what happens on Fox News is relevant because they talked about infanticide for 6.5 hours. 6.5 hours, uh, right before President Trump's State of the Union. Um, mentioned it 35 times. That is not the debate of what access to reproductive care is in this country. It doesn't happen. It's illegal. It's not a fact. And I believe all of us have a responsibility to talk about the facts. 
The facts are that women in this country have had a constitutional right for over 30 years to make this fundamental life and death decision. And this president has emboldened legislatures in 30 states to begin to criminalize that decision. Criminalize the decision of whether or not and when you want to have your children. Criminalizing the doctors with a 99-year sentence if they are offering abortion services and providing the care that women need. Why should male legislatures across this country decide when you're having children, how many your children you're having, and under what circumstances? I don't understand it. It's a human right. It's about having bodily autonomy. It's about being able to control your physical self. It's undermining every human right, civil right that we could have. So let women make these most personal decisions. For many people, it's a moral decision. For many people, it's a medical decision. So why can't they make it with their doctor, with their families, with their husband, based on their own faith, how they believe and what they feel? It is that woman's right. All right. Yeah, well, you know, Dave, we talked about this, I think it was last week or the week before. Well, we talk about it a lot because it goes on all the time. It goes on all the time. And I'm not saying just Democrats do oh, it. no. Republicans do it as well, and I call them out for it as well. But to be clear, on the abortion issue, the left does not want to answer the question. The right will answer the question. You can disagree with them, mm. but the right will answer. The left doesn't want to answer the question. Oh, well, uh, th- there was an article in New York Times today talking about Gillibrand and talking about the question on late-term abortion. And New York Times had to point out, and I have no problem with the fact that I, I don't remember. Let's say 1.5% of all abortions are late-term. By the way, good. Good. <laughs> uh, meaning the fewer the better. But – I guess the claim, the implication in the article was, therefore, this is not an issue. I don't know. 1.5% times the number of abortions there are, and there are a lot. I don't know how many there are. I don't know the number right? anymore. Uh, uh, but um, it's a big number. And so 1.5% is still a lot of abortions, late term abortions. Right. So I had a discussion, uh, and I think I'm free to, d- to disclose this, with a colleague of mine who you often have on your show, mm-hmm. and that's Josh Silverstein. He's a liberal. He'll tell you, I'm a liberal. Yeah. That's how I know he's a liberal, meaning I'm not trying to ascribe <laughs> to him anything that's not true. He calls himself. He calls himself a liberal. And, I, and you know, I have a lot of respect for people who, who disclose their political views. Um, and don't try to play games with it. And I said, well, Josh, let's get, let's talk a little bit about the abortion debate and let's see if we can agree on some fundamental premises because I know you're pro choice. And he goes, yeah, 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 I'm pro choice. Um, because if we can agree on the fundamental principles, then in the end, if we don't agree on the outcome, at least we know we just don't agree on certain values, certain underlying value judgments. So be it, right? So I said, the first thing I want to discuss with you is the thing that the mother's carrying. And, you know, I'm using that kind of odd locution on purpose. Do I, you know, we can call it a fetus. We can call it a baby. But every side thinks the other side is using the wrong term. So the thing the mother's carrying. And I said, well, Josh, that thing, right, that's alive and it's, it's us, right? You're right. And he goes, well, yeah, yeah. He goes, and then he said, to be fair, 
we can debate whether it's enough of a human or enough of a person to have full rights or all rights. Ooh. But but I'm just telling you, and, and it wasn't that he was saying that it wasn't either. He was just saying that's the critical issue. Mm. He said those who deny that that thing has life to it, they are it, – it's a joke because the left calls a right. Uh, science deniers, that's basic science. That's biology. That's yeah, what you learn like easy. in seventh grade. Yep. So that's not terribly complicated at all. So he said, yeah, well, of course there's life there. Of course there's life there. So that's not the issue. Um, so when you can agree on basic premises, then you could at least have a conversation. But you heard Gillibrand say this is about – um, autonomy. Reproductive yeah, right, right. and autonomy. By the way, what also just bothers me, the left right now does it a lot more than the right, but both sides have done it historically. They get their bullet points, right? And they get these tested phrases. Reproductive autonomy. Of course, what the left is saying is the mother's entitled to do with her own body what she's entitled to do. In and of itself, I don't have a problem with that statement. But, of course, the abortion debate isn't about the mother doing with her body. That's correct. It's about the mother doing what happens to be inside of her body. That's correct. Um, and that's relevant. And that the thing that happens to be is not cancer. It's not a parasite. Oh, that was the second point that Josh agreed with me. I said, well, now that you agree that it's life, what about this claim by the, some on the left that it's a parasite? He said, that's stupid. That's stupid. It's not a parasite. It's not cancer. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's human. Uh, or it's or, or it's the precursor to human, uh, and I'm not trying to. I'm yeah, not saying all of these are true. You. I'm just saying this is the realm of reasonable discussion. Uh, but what's not re- reasonable is to call it a parasite, to call it uh, a cancer, to call it non-life, and she completely ignores that. So if she wants to have a debate about abortion, let's come into it with some basic science and say when a mother carries a baby or a fetus or a thing or a banana, it's not a banana, uh, um, uh, that thing's alive. Okay. Um, and that thing becomes you and me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mother has to incur the burden. Let me go back and just correct you on Yes, sir. It doesn't become you or me. It well, is you and me. Uh, the, the only difference I'm saying about the becoming, to be clear, because I t- your point is trying to make sure that the left doesn't draw the, the distinction. I meant you and me as an adult. Oh, okay. You know? um, but but that's, the, right, that's the thing. There's, uh, the, the law recognizes various things. One of the things the law recognizes is life. One of the things that the law recognizes – another thing the law recognizes is personhood. Those two things as a legal concept – may be different or at least somewhat different, overlapping. So again, that's where you can uh, – if the left is trying to find something, look, I'm not comfortable with, the, with that. But if the left is trying to find something, that's where they can find something. But they don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Because it leads to, to, to difficult choices. And they, uh, and they don't want to be able – they don't want to answer the question that that nurse asked. Yeah. Late-term abortion. Under no – you see, I, I did a very long, perhaps too long-winded for this show, set up to say under no definition of that thing, the baby, the fetus, the thing that becomes you, the, the life, under no definition is late-term abortion permissible, reasonable – or moral. That's the thing. That's where they collapse. If once they make that concession, the the, the whole po- point about last trimester abortion 
collapses. Then they could try to nuance out an argument on earlier, but they can never get to an argument on late term. And that's why she didn't want to answer that. That's why they don't want to answer the question about life. They don't want to answer the question about uh, um, uh, personhood. They don't want to get into any of the details. And they say it's the autonomy of the mother. And my question back to Gillibrand is, if you're talking about the the mother's autonomy and you think that autonomy is so broad, so all-encompassing, why can't she kill the baby when it's one year old? Thank you. I've said that many a time. Because let me tell you, the mother is all quite she, burdened. All she's got to do is not feed it. That's right. The, that mother is quite burdened when the baby is one. That's and right. I don't mean that in a negative way. There's a lot of work being the mother or father, by the way, but being the mother of a one-year-old. Can, can you therefore say, well, my autonomy, I want to go, you know, uh, I want to go to the beach and I want to fly to California. So I don't want to feed my baby. I just want to leave the baby in the crib for a week. Alone, just saying. Right. Just saying. There you go. All right. Got a break. Got to do that. Robert will be with us until uh, 6 o'clock. Stick with us. we got a lot more to talk about. Let's talk about gun rights with Gillibrand because you're going to be amazed at how much she lies. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got about five minutes before the bottom of the hour. I want to I wanna set Robert on fire here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why when you walk through the door, you got sprayed with a little lighter fluid. Right. Are you right. ready for this? I, I don't know if you need to spray me. That's, no. like, that's <laughs> like, hey, hey, you try to gin me up. Wait, you mean, give, give me a cup of water, right? I went off last hour. Did I not go off on this last hour? Okay, listen. To, I got two answers from Gillibrand. You weren't the only one. Yeah, I know. You went off on it, too. Here's what Gillibrand said, that the, uh, the NRA wants to make sure an, an abuser who has a restraining order against him can go out and buy a weapon. But listen to this. I heard the three points you specifically made. Having said that, none of them would have prevented what happened in Virginia Beach. This gentleman, he didn't buy an assault weapon. He had a, two handguns. He bought them legally. So how do you prevent? I understand that you, this, all of your plans aren't going to stop all of them. But is there anything you could have done that would have stopped this terrible incident? Yeah, stop being beholden to the NRA like President Trump is. He does President Trump's bidding. Remember, after the shooting in Las Vegas, he said, yeah, yeah, we're going to ban the bump stocks. Did he ban the bump stocks? No, because the NRA came crashing down and said, don't you dare stop do any right restrictions there just for a on second, our guns around this country. That's just a flat-out lie. Yes, he, he did banned. ban them, right? Yes, and the right? NRA went along with it. Oh, my goodness. That is a flat out lie and it's not challenged it's amazing well in part it's not challenged because the press guys don't necessarily know the answer that's unfortunate you know it's hard to be the difficulty in being in the press is you're always on the defensive right you don't know what lie someone's going to say and suddenly are going to pop up with exactly yeah. yeah but i just thought you'd like to hear that okay continue such a false choice the nra is lying to the american people it is not about the second amendment it is about gun sales be very clear. If you are not supporting the Violence <laughs> Against Women's Act, it's because you want to make sure an abuser who has a restraining order against him can buy a weapon. It is literally about greed and corruption and making sure the status quo says the same. Do not let them lie to you. The things that I told you, the three things I want to accomplish, almost all Americans support getting that done. Most NRA members support getting that done. So it's not about one gun death, Chris, because if it was, 
We would have done this long ago. We would have done something after the Sandy Hook shooting. We would have done something after the hundreds of gun deaths we've seen under President Trump and over the last decade. But Congress has no guts. They got no spine because they're bought and paid for. All right. Over, over the last decade, by the way, that would include President Obama, would it not? If the math, if the In complicated fact, most math, of it, if the it? complicated math works out for the left, you know, the left always accuses the right of being anti-science. I think they're anti-math, <laughs> right? And by math, I mean addition. This is not about the Second Amendment. It's not about the Second. What? Amendment. What? Wait, what? They, they, they say that uh, they they want to allow people with uh, with warrants or with restraining order uh, problems in their legal problems in their background to buy. No, you can't. You got a warrant out for your arrest. You can't. I'm going to be. I, I will be honest with you. I will tell you the truth. I went to try to replace an 870, a duck shotgun, a 12 gauge. Remington 870 that got stolen out of my house over in Vestal Park in North Little Rock off of High Avenue, 11th and Vestal, the corner house there. You can go there. Somebody broke in there and stole a camoed up 12 gauge off of me and I went to replace it. I had to fill out all the paperwork. I had to wait. When I waited, I got a letter that said, you have been denied by the FBI. You want to contest it? You want to find out why you've been denied? Write us a letter. They take the long road to get you the answer to that question. And I went and I wrote that letter and I got it back that said that I had a bench warrant out of North Little Rock for a traffic ticket that I hadn't paid. Guess what? I went and paid it. I got the bench warrant cleared. The judge gave me the clearing and the FBI cleared me. And now I have my 12 gauge. There you go. Yeah. Bottom line, Gillibrand's full of crap. Are her eyes brown? I, I, I don't know. She's got blonde hair. She might have light eyes as well. But, you know, it's it's pure politics, right? The, the NRA becomes a punching bag. We'll pick it up yeah. when we come back. Because I, I got more. There's more yet that you got to hear from the senator, and it's all BS. Okay, so I'm playing some um, uh, cuts that I have from Senator Kirsten Gillibrand in front of a Fox crowd on this town hall and playing her answers talking about guns. And they're so ridiculous. If she went on this hour town hall to try to get some credibility and to be able to get some street cred and get some, you know, uh, uh, traction out there because she's got very little. Uh, in the presidential race, she didn't do herself any help. Here's her second try at uh, the whole thing about the Second Amendment and the NRA. Is that what would you do differently to reduce the gun violence and the death in, in America where all the previous president, they tried but failed? More specifically, would your plans have prevented the senseless massacre that happened in Virginia Beach last Friday. Well, thank you for asking that question because I can tell you, Americans are feeling ripped apart by the gun death we have seen year after year, month after month, children dying. Um, we need to do something about it. And I think the most outrageous thing that's happened to our democracy is how much fear and division and hate has been spread. I think the NRA is the worst 
organization in this country for doing exactly that. They care more about their profits than the American people. They care more about selling guns to someone on the terror watch list or someone with grave mental illness or someone uh, who has a violent criminal background. They're against universal background checks. They're even against ending the violence against women's act. So we need, as Americans, need to stand up to the greed and corruption of the NRA. And we know why. It's because of money and politics. Money in politics is the name of the game. It's why the first thing that I've done as a presidential candidate is put forth a very comprehensive platform for publicly funded elections so that your voice is as loud as any Koch brothers, so that your voice is not drowned out by the hundreds of millions of dollars spent on negative campaigns for special interests across this country. And so I will do three things as president. First, I will make sure we have universal background checks. Second, I will make sure we ban the bump stocks, the large magazines, the assault rifles, the military-style weapons. I will make sure we have a federal anti-trafficking law. And once we get money out of politics, the NRA will end its chokehold on members of Congress who have no courage to stand up to them and do the right thing on behalf of their constituents and the American people. I'm sorry. I'm going to get rid of bump stocks. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. The president took care of them, and it took a lot of heat for it. The left had this mantra, and you know, they they get these mailings that they just reiterate without any thoughtfulness at all. They had this mantra, we're going to get rid of the weapons of war. And then when it was pointed out to them that AR-15s are not military weapons, oh, well, we've got to do something. Oh, you know what they are? They're military-style weapons. What does that mean? And and I can tell you what it means. It means it looks like a military weapon. That's a true statement, by the way. And that's what Boxer right. and Pelosi and all of them did back in the 90s is they got right. a catalog, a gun catalog out, and they go, ooh, that looks dangerous. Yeah, that was no good. No, that was no good. Nope, nope. And so it's military style, those weapons that look like military weapons. The AR absolutely looks like the M16 and the M4. Agreed. The only difference is it's not those weapons. It's a different weapon. And what distinguishes that weapon from an ordinary uh, hunting rifle? Some hunting rifles are bolt action, but some are semi-automatic, so it can't be that. Uh, The caliber used in the AR as you know, is either a 5.56 or or, or, uh, um, millimeter or a 223 caliber, roughly the same shell. Um, Well, that's true. Those are generally not used in hunting rifles because they're smaller. The AR's ammunition is smaller than the normal hunting rifle. That's correct. Which is some form of 30 caliber, a 3030, a 30-06, a 308. That's what I have. 308. Yes. Yeah, that's a much bigger bullet. Oh, so then the left goes up. Oh well, and I think they got this li- quite literally from the movie Deer Hunter, but I'm not sure. <laughs> they go, oh well, you know that 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 small shell, that two twenty three, it tumbles. <laughs> By the way, not really. That that's been debunked. Someone made that claim. Like I said, I think it came from this movie. It's not really true, and therefore it causes more damage. That's certainly not true. The damage that you, that your 308 does is twofold. It's the little hole 
from the bullet, which is quite damaging if it goes through anything yeah. vital. And the big hole, and the big hole when from leaves. the impact. That's right. right. From the impact. The 223 doesn't have the big hole generally because it's too small to have the big hole. So it's less damage. Now, mind you, here's the thing. Both bullets. Kill at, it. Yeah. Both bullets at a reasonable range kill people just That's right. Absolutely. What they don't do is they don't kill deer that just fine, meaning you generally need the bigger shell to kill a deer because it's a more powerful animal. So My 308 has done a great job of that, my yeah. I say, over well, the years. Well, that's what they do. That's what they Love do, it. right? So that's the irony. Is that, well, like, the other yeah, case with yeah. the 308 yeah. over the, a, the a, AR yeah. is that when I fire my 308, it keeps a solid straight trajectory. Right. Much longer it's than a with the other. Shell, That's right. right. It's a bigger bullet, exactly. Faster. That's right. Everything. And when it hits, and I've got video that it it just wrecks havoc. Is your, is your hunting rifle a bolt action? Yes. Yeah, I do believe that what the left truly wants is to re- to eliminate semi-automatic guns. To, so, in other words, to literally go back to the 18th century, because it was in the 19th century that uh, they may have been invented in now the 18th. Now, I get uh, mine. Well, you load, ball. I can put three. Yeah, I can put three shells in. Right, but you got to manually. But load. I got to manually right. do my thing. Yeah, right. That's a, that's Which a bolt is fine action. with me because Understood. for a deer that's running, that's I got plenty of time. Well, of course, uh, the I forgot, who was the guy? Lee Harvey Oz, Lee Harvey Oswald used a bolt action against um, Kennedy, President Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So you can shoot them fairly rapidly, but as a general matter, a semi-automatic shoots somewhat more rapidly than a bolt action. Oh, sure, right, of course. Uh, and so I do think that the left wants to eliminate semi-automatic guns. Okay, so I want to give you this. I One day, after Kirsten Gillibrand slammed the NRA as the worst organization in this country, her quote. By by the way, not the KKK. No, not Right, because the KKK exists in here. Yeah. Uh, Not the neo-Nazis. They exist in this country. No, not that one. The NRA. So today, the NRA posted an effusive letter it received from... Gillibrand in 2008, in which the then Congresswoman praised, quote, the work that the NRA does to protect gun owners' rights for many years in Congress. You know who she sent it to, uh, Russ? Chris Cox. She sent it to Chris Cox. He's the guy who who, uh, is with the uh, ILA. That's the Institute for Legislative Action. Uh, he went on to say, Gillibrand called us the worst organization in the country, but when she represented New York 20, yeah, she wrote us, quote, New York. I appreciate the work that the NRA does to protect gun owners' rights, and I look forward to working with you for many years. Now that she's looking to crack 1%, she'll say anything, said Cox. And went on to say, quote, I want to be, this is what, now this is Gillibrand, all right? Quote, I want to be very clear that I always have and always will believe that the correct interpretation of the Second Amendment is that it applies to any individual's right to carry guns. It's remarkable. And does not apply generally to the National Guard or a group of individuals in a state. Follow what she prescribed as a meeting with him the previous August. Gillibrand in the letter went on to reject a slew of gun control measures say she was adamantly opposed to the idea outright banning firearms for cosmetic features. Cosmetic features? Yeah, what I just talked about. Uh, What else did she say here? 
uh, bullets of an, any random size or banning magazines from holding an arbitrary number of cartridges. Those limitations, he said, were, quote, random and int- intended solely to limit gun ownership or usage. And then she finished, I appreciate the work that the NRA does to protect gun owners' rights. I'm looking to work with you in the years You know, ahead. Dave, if, if, if on one of those half dozen issues, today she had a different view, she could say, and one could say, okay, so she thought about that issue, and, you know, as like many issues do, there are arguments on both sides, and you ultimately have to draw a conclusion, yay or nay, and you say, I, I view the yay better than the nay. Mm-hmm. And so you say, okay, out of six issues, one of them she changed because she thought about it more, and maybe she went the wrong way, maybe she went the right way, whatever it may be. I'll, I'll, I always allow for people to, to sort of develop in their views. She's reversed herself on every one of those fundamental statements, including the statement that said, I will never change my view on this. Don't make a statement like that unless you're, unless you're dug in like a tick because it's going to come back and bite you. And guess what? It bit her. She is a liar. Yeah. That's, there's no other way to describe that. There's no other way to conceive how someone can do an entire 180 on a half dozen issues other than being a liar. And she's a liar. Why? Because she wants the vote for the, to, to get into the, you know. Because get into that's the, what her side wants to hear now. Exactly. She's changed her views over the years as a senator because... The constituency she represents is very, very liberal. Exactly. And so she went that way because before that, she got a 100% A rating from the NRA and even said she kept two guns under her Well, she, uh, she came from upstate New York. A lot of people don't know this. Of course, you do know that- It's conservative. It's conservative. New York is a state, as we all know, and there's New York City, and sometimes people conflate the two. New York City is extremely leftist. New York State, overall, due to the population of the city, the the city, if you include all the boroughs, has the greatest proportion of the population. Upstate New York is farmland, amongst other things. It's conservative. It's rural. It's rural. And so she represented rural, conservative, upstate New York. Well, guess what? That's guns. Mm-hmm. That's guns. That's right. And she needed to get elected. She will say anything to get elected. There you go. And she's proven it. Indeed. A break. Got more coming. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future. Back with you, Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Remember, if you're green, that's cool. Be green. You know, do a great job of uh, making sure that you use parts from a well-maintained, total loss vehicle. uh, And that way, you don't have to have a, 
a piece that's got to be made. It's already made, so you're not getting into the you know great abundance of natural resources. You can be green. You don't have to go and rape the earth to get yourself an engine for your car or whatever. I just go by the old axiom that my father said. If it saves you money, do it. All right? So that I changed it. If you want me to be green, show me the green. And so they did, and I saved pretty close to five grand, putting in a couple of, uh, you know, well-maintained engines from Total Loss Vehicles at Sunny's. Same thing with a transmission, and uh, saved a whole lot of money, even saved uh, money on some of the uh, uh, labor involved as well. You can do the same thing, get the guarantee and the standard warranties, one, two, three-year warranties on all their parts. All you have to do is call them. Make a phone call over to 982-7451. Now, R.D. is not there right now. He's on vacation. He's overseas. He's in Scotland. He's going to be there for a little while and then go into Ireland. Then he's going to be coming home. But until he does, the great professionals at Sunny's Auto Salvage will help you out. You don't become number one just because there's one person, all right? It's because you got a great crew. they got a tremendous crew at Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts, and that number again, 982-7451. 982-7451. Use them like I use them. Save yourself money and uh, have your car running like 100% again. My car is just purring coming down the highway now. Yes, that is. When you see that license plate and it says live free, that is my Sonny's salvage doing its job getting me home or getting me to work great place all right with that said let's get back and finish up this hour uh with robert when we come back you want to talk about the border whatever you want want to talk about the border we can talk about some of the things i sent you over the weekend i sent you a really good story yeah and of course we're going to talk about the story in the dem gas this weekend um by uh um, walkenhurst emily walkenhurst uh on the uh, lawsuit uh, that relates to the bill that yes. Tim Hammer brought. We, I think we should talk about that first. All right. Because that's, that's really uh, yeah. very pertinent to what's going on. Oh, yeah, that's local what's news going on. and it important is. local news. Well, let, look, we got three minutes. Yeah. Set it up. Go ahead and tell sure. people about what happened. So you might recall that we talked about your, on your show, uh, and your audience might recall some time back, that the University of Arkansas implemented a policy adopted by the board of directors or whatever, I think the board, board or something, uh, that uh, basically changed the terms of the tenure contracts of faculty. Tenure contract is, is your employment contract, and it says you can be fired, contrary to what, unfortunately, some conservatives misunderstand. Uh, faculty can be fired, but they just can't be fired for any reason. It's a contract, right? So if I worked at McDonald's, uh, I can be fired for any reason or no reason at all because it's it's work for hire. You know, boom, you're gone, you're here, or whatever. And if you get fired, you get another job somewhere else. But uh, – Education is supposed to be different. Now, of course, CEOs of major corporations have the same protections, by the way. But uh, if, if you're a professor, uh, you can't be fired for just any reason. And the primary reason is we don't want uh, uh, bureaucrats deciding to fire you because they don't like something that you're saying or teaching. 
in other words, everything I've just said on the radio for the yeah. last hour, Dave, yes. right? Because the bureaucrats in academia are leftists. Yes, they yeah. are. Go ask them, by the way. Oh, there was, oh, well, I prefer the term progressive. Yeah, leftist, okay. So the, the contract prevents you from being fired uh, if they don't like your politics. Then they change a contract and they quite literally put in a new phrase that says, uh, if you're disruptive to the operations, well, what's more disruptive to a leftist operation than conservative thought? Nothing. So they put in an anti-conservative, anti-academic freedom concept. And they said, well, the old contract said we haven't outlined all the term, all the reasons you could be fired for. We just gave the guidelines. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you give the guidelines and you don't outline all the reasons, that means that some reasons are not permissible. And clearly, that's the archetype of the reason that's not permissible based on everything that's in the old contract and that's not in the old contract. So they changed it. They claim it's not a change. You know, it's kind of like when you go to the magician. Nothing to see here. Don't look in here. There's no rabbit hiding underneath this false Nothing floor. burger. Yeah. Nothing burger. So that's, but in all, with all due respect, that, that's not, you know, it's just not believable. It's just not accurate. So uh, Most of what, after listening to Gillibrand, just about anything the left yeah. said is not believable. Yeah. It, it, it's Gillibrand-like in its accuracy. So then uh, Senator Hammer uh, uh introduced a bill and I worked on it and so did uh, Josh Silverstein the, the the liberal that I mentioned to you earlier over at the law school uh, that would have undone that it said any contract created by the universities in this state uh, are uh, they can't be changed by one side now just to be clear that's already the law but we figured it's easier to double down on the law and make it explicit in a statute uh, than having to go through litigation. Uh, and I told the um, the education committee, I said, look, if this law doesn't pass, litigation will inevitably follow. I believe, based on some good comments that um, uh, State Senator uh, Mark Johnson told me after the fact, he goes, uh, that, that they thought I was saying I was going to sue. I wasn't going to sue. Yeah, it's not my lawsuit. No, I didn't sue, uh, but I think uh, based on Mark's sound comments that they thought I was going to sue, and they don't like it when you come in and say I'm going to sue if you don't pass this bill. It wasn't what I was saying, but I understand if that if that mistaken impression was given, that should have been clarified. And in retrospect, I would have done it somewhat differently. Uh, so uh, I said, I know that other people are interested in suing, but if we fix this, there's no reason for a lawsuit. Correct. It didn't pass. Um, and so, sure enough, uh, um, three professors have filed suit, and they filed what's known as a class action. That's a request of the court to allow the, the case to apply to all faculty to the extent that anybody else wants it to apply to them. And that's been filed in federal court now. Uh, and the three professors, one from uh, the medical school, one from I want to say Monticello, and one from my law school, uh, Tom Sullivan, uh, a very well-known, distinguished professor, literally a distinguished professor at the law school. Maybe we can get him on. Maybe. He's not much of a talker to the press, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He may come talk. He might. When the guy says, you come on my show, and guess what? We don't make you say things we want you to say. We let you say what you believe. That's right. That's right. All right. We got more coming your way. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll go back. We'll talk about this some more. Because it's important. Three professors. Not just the one voice from Robert Steinbeck, but three other professors. Yeah, I'm not on the lawsuit. 
All right, we're taking a break and let you catch up on the news. Find out what maybe the president's doing over in England right now. That's all coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. Show. It's 4 o'clock already. Wow. Time is flying. Joe from Conduit News will join us here coming up in the last hour. We'll talk to him a little bit about highway funding and things of that nature I'd like to know, and I'll and I'll ask and talk with uh, Jr. coming up on Thursday. How what has happened to our state with all of this flooding may change the way we budget here in the state. I would think that it's going to may have some effect. I understand that the federal government's going to get involved, but there's a lot of stuff that's got to come through the state government as well. What do you think? You think you think they're going to have to make big big changes? I think they got they're going to have to make some big big changes. It's a great question. I don't know how the funding works. I absolutely have no idea how that funding works. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should call Kim, ask him to come on and talk a yeah. little bit about it. Yeah. You know, see what uh, what he has to say because they haven't gone. I don't know if they sat down uh, with the governor yet and decided what's going to be one, two, or three, or A, B, C, or however you want to look at it. C being that. You might get some money, but probably not. B, you got a pretty good chance. A, always going to get funded. But uh, I got to think agriculture is going to get a little bit more money, to be honest. I mean, that still is our biggest state industry is ag. And there's a lot of ag people suffering right now and uh, suffering even more than they thought they were going to suffer. I mean, they they knew they're going to get a t- it's going to be a tough time with all the tariffs and all of that was going on but now you throw in all of this rain that we've had where they can't they haven't been able to even get in their uh, fields yeah they can't get into the fields no, and, and some of that's not even yeah. flooding from the river it's just so much water right. that we've that's had right. that's right yesterday was the first day of this year that I've been able to get down at the very bottom of my front yard. You you know my front yeah, yard. It, yeah. The water runs down it, right? Because when it rains, uh, that um, I was able to cut the grass. Wow! I had a bale. Wow! I was thinking about bringing in one of those big old combines. You know, maybe put it in the square bales and give it to some of the the guys that are raising cows out there. But what do you know? I don't know anything about that. Anyway, with that said, there's Just a lot buy of you things. A goat. I should get me a herd of goats for down there. They'd be overeating down there. There'd be a bunch of fat boys, that's for sure, and walking around. And if they didn't drown first, I mean, the water had been down there this year has been incredible. Have you heard about how much we've had this year? Have you heard anything at all? No, I haven't. It's it's been well, last Thursday, Wednesday, last Wednesday. Four inches in two hours. That's why people couldn't go to the butcher shop because uh, Hermitage was flooded. Well, I was there when the fire truck showed up for the uh, water rescue. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was coming from Joe's and I had to go to Sam's and I pulled off there at the end at four thirty, six thirty, yeah, and was going to go down Hermitage. And when I pulled up, fire truck came from the left and I just sat there at the traffic light and I watched it pull down Hermitage and then I said, nope. Not going that way. I turned no, right went down Shaw and went up. Because I, I took my son-in-law out for a, a prime rib dinner because he's been doing so much cool work around my house, 
and you've seen the pictures of my deck and stuff that he did. He did a fantastic job. Took him to go have uh, prime rib, and the lady told me I called and made a point, you know, a reservation. She says to me, "Well, I'm glad you called, Dave, because a lot of people when they call are saying, are you guys open?' Because they had heard what happened on Wednesday. They're open." That water goes down pretty quick once the rain stops, but that's a low spot right there. It's just a low spot. Bottom line was, what was it? It was a van, wasn't it, that got submerged? You know, it was up almost to the top, pretty doggone close. They had some some video of it, talking about it. It's been bad out there. I mean, really. Did you see the picture of the uh, the levee? That was breached over there in Dardanelle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a matter of moments, yeah. they went from streets that weren't flooded that were up to four and a half foot of water. Sure, because once it once it goes through, it all comes out. It came in like really quick yeah. too. I saw. I was watching Fox News. I think it was Friday, and uh, they were talking about. Yeah, you see that place that's flooded back there over next almost over the stop sign. We were there twenty minutes ago, and yeah. we had a beat it up here to avoid the water yeah unbelievable and they're worried still i don't know if i haven't talked to anybody down there i don't know if they're still worried about the the town flooding or not and that you know i thought dardanelle was bigger than five thousand people but it's it's not that much bigger that i don't know they got a beautiful park in dardanelle I mean, really, really pretty place. Arkansas really has a remarkable number of beautiful parks and areas, and as you well know, it's called the natural state, and and it's 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 a good name for it. Yeah, good when it's not flooding. Well, yeah, but I guess that's you know that's <laughs> the byproduct of being natural, right? Yeah. But it's really, you know, you walk, uh, a friend of mine came to visit, and and he lives in in um, New Mexico. It's desert, you know, and he and we're driving around, and I'm showing him around. He's like. Man, there's a lot of green. No, yeah. Everywhere you turn, there's green. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's like when I came here at first, I came back in 2000, and I came from uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Big, big, big difference. difference. We that, left that, that early the, the morning before. It was 48 degrees for a high since September, right. so almost Labor Day. And when I got here... It was 102. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, I, I went to uh, law school in Manhattan, uh, you know, New York City, and I uh, practiced in New York City for mm, three or four years, something like that. And you're lucky if you see a tree living. The Central Park has a, a number of oh, nice yeah, trees beautiful. You get, get into there. But if you're on the street, they have tree, trees on the street, and then often they're dying just from the air. Uh, and the air is not clean. In the summertime, it's oppressive. Uh, and so, uh, and I, uh, after I went, uh, well, after I lived in uh, New York, as you know, I lived in um, Maryland and I worked in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's more greenery there. Uh, and then I came Maryland is beautiful. It really is. Maryland has some wonderful parts. I lived in the suburbs of D.C. And it's still, there was a lot of trees and green and mm-hmm. very nice. But even then, coming here, it was a dramatic change. How much luscious. Uh, environment there is in in Arkansas. It's really it's really remarkable. It's really nice. It's pleasant. A lot of people complain about D.C. because it was built on a swamp. That's right. Oh, it's very humid. Although I'm not sure it's more humid than Arkansas during the humid period. Uh, I would say it's it's roughly equivalent. Um, 
a lot of mosquitoes in in uh, in the D.C. area. Oh yeah, There's a lot of mosquitoes here too. They'll carry you away. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. I gotta tell you a funny story, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk politics again. I got that big pool in my backyard. Right. We got it open now. We were sitting last night out on the deck, and I love sitting back there uh, in the evening, just as the sun's going down, just because. Um, since I've been there now for 13 years, or what is this, 19, right? Oh, I've been there for 16 years now. And the trees are about twice as tall as they used to be, so it really blocks the sun as it's it's setting and stuff. And sitting out there, and as you listen to the, the world getting quieter as it's getting ready to go to sleep and stuff, uh, the the frogs came out. Of course, for and around the pool, they were just sitting on the edge of the pool, just croaking up a storm. I mean, making all kinds of noise. And I, uh, my son was out there with us, and I said, "Man, I said, Chris, don't you love this? Just being able to sit out and enjoying a little bit of nature." And he looked at me and said, "What's to enjoy?" And I just looked at him. You know, I just like being out there, yeah. putting my feet up, and and, Me too. and and relaxing, you know. And it was not humid; right. it was it was uh, warm. It was about eighty five degrees. But we know here in Arkansas between warm and hot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, and when that humidity gets up in sixty seventy percent, and you start just sweating when you're blinking, that's a different story. And it wasn't like that last right. night. And it was just gorgeous, but it was so funny. He looks over at me and he goes, Dad, what's that over there in the corner? And I don't know how it got in my pool, but it was a turtle. A turtle, that's cool. A, bi- a big yeah. turtle. It wasn't yeah, a little cool. turtle, a right, big, big turtle. One. Yeah, you see them. I, I saw one, this is a while back, over down by Riverfront, and it was like on the wrong side of the road, and I picked it up and put it where it belonged. Uh, but yeah, you see a lot of them. I saw some... Uh, Two weeks ago, I was driving to, oh, I forget the name of the area now. Um, I'll tell you after the break. But they were in the road. I almost stopped. And then I figured, you know, I can only see the news story now. A law professor found dead in the middle of a street holding turtle, you know. So I, I just let it do its thing and hope that it made it across the street. I don't understand what what it is about turtles. But it makes you want to stop. Right. They're well, trying, to, the get on, they're the trying to get on the other side. That's and right. Cars are coming. That's right. I've stopped many a time. Right. This was it, like a, around a bend, and it, it, it was not a safe stop. And so yeah. I think I made the prudent decision. I got you. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Robert Steinbach's here, legal professor over at UALR Bowen School of Law. It's his opinion, his opinion alone. We'll find out what more of them are when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, this is a story I sent to Robert Friday uh, from The Hill. And it's something, I I sent it to him specifically just for him to see the percentages in the story and why he and I, when we talk about impeachment, say that the Democrats are out of their minds if they pursue it, although we kind of hope that they do. The, uh, the poll, here's the headline. Majority oppose Trump impeachment, but most Democrats support it. A majority of polled voters oppose impeaching and removing President Trump, but a strong majority of Democrats are in favor of doing so. This is according to the Harvard-Harris poll. The survey, and by the way, that's no bastion of conservatism. 
The survey found that a plurality of voters, 43%, favor no action against the president, including, and this is the biggest uh, number, 44% of independents, 37% support impeaching and removing the president, 60% of polled Democrats say the president should be impeached and removed, but only 36% of independents of independents are in favor. So think about that. That's a 30%, almost a, almost a 30%. Well, it is. It's 30, 31%. Uh, of uh, between independents and Democrats and what they're thinking. 20% of voters say Trump should be censored by Congress. The new poll, which was conducted after special counsel Mueller's statement on Wednesday, has several other warning signs for Democrats. 68% of respondents said Democrats in Congress should accept Mueller's finding that there was no criminal conspiracy And 65% said, this is Democrats, should accept Attorney General William Barr's conclusion. 63% of respondents said the investigation into Trump are hurting the country, while 58% said it's time for Congress to turn the page on Russia investigations. What more do Democrats need here? Some of the Democrats have said quite openly they're not particularly concerned with whether or not they have the support to bring an impeachment charge or whether they would be victorious in the Senate, which they almost invariably could never. Right. I mean, just the math doesn't work out. So they don't care. All right. And as you and I discussed and you uh, mentioned a moment ago, in the end, it would inure to the president's favor Mm -hmm. uh, if we actually had him. I understand his reticence, and if I were in his position, I would not want an impeachment proceeding because it's 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 a process that you have to deal with. It's a diversion and a distraction. But in the end, I think it would actually boost his numbers for re-election. As it stands now, he's got a very strong um, likelihood of being re-elected, I believe. Uh, it's a little early to make a, a, a definitive statement on that, uh, but I think he's he's – doing well he's i think slightly behind or somewhat behind biden in some of the polling because biden hasn't you know been in office that was several weeks ago it may have changed he's got his highest numbers now that's right since 2016 that's right so i think there's there's very positive uh, indicia out there right now for for re-election uh but as a technical matter i think that it would actually help him uh, if the Democrats were to go down that road, which I think would be foolish on their part. But again, they're not looking to me for advice, right? Because no. uh, I think what they do generally is foolish. Uh, I think what the left does in particular is almost invariably foolish. So, you know, they'll do what they do. What can I tell you? Now, here's the key. Yeah. It's a tough sell for the Democratic base. A plurality of Democrats, 25%, said impeaching Trump should be the number one priority for the Democratic majority in the House. Not the border. 
not even What's wrong with the border, the, Yeah. Is there a problem? With, is there something going on at the border not these the days? Not the economy. Well, there's well, nothing the wrong with great, the economy. The economy's right? in great shape. Yeah, but, but it's in great shape, according to uh, Joe Biden, because of because of his policies. That's so right. That's taken care of. What else you got? It's, 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 in, yeah. it's incredible. Oh, yeah. This is really, really, really incredible. Something you said made me think of the following, and it might, you know, it might explain kind of my wandering mind. But it's the incredible nature. There's a big piece in the New York Times today about uh, essentially charter schools in in New York City. They're specialty schools, like the Bronx School of Science, and and you've got to take a test to get in those schools. And they and the article is about how the number of Blacks and Hispanics have, have dropped dramatically as a percentage of the student body in those schools. And so you might think, oh, well, you know, here we go. It's uh, some form of uh, white privilege racism going on. No. No. Just because the school doesn't have a PS in front of it? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, it's it's not one of the PS schools, public schools. It's one of the, the charter schools. And now – so you dig down in the article – the uh, the uh, blacks and Hispanics and some whites, mind you, are largely displaced by Asians. Now, now, tell me, Ross, is that is that uh, is that Asian privilege? Asian male, by the way, a lot of females. Is that a, do we have Asian privilege in this country? Because gosh knows, the Asians came over here in uh, in large numbers in the eighteen hundreds, and they were treated like kings, weren't they? Wait, no, that's not what happened. Wait a second. No. I, I don't know. Did they they would, built the railroad, didn't they? Yeah. And when you say built, by the way, hand, by hand and foot, they built that railroad. Um, so, uh, but I guess that's Asian privilege, yeah. right? Ever, evidently. evidently. They, they were slaves, but don't use that word around it. Asians. All right. A break. And we got more when we come back. All right. Back with you. It's Dave Ellsworth. You were asking me about how many siblings I got. Two brothers. Yeah. Both older. My oldest brother is going to be 80. Good for him. In September. Good for him. And uh, then Don is 14 years older than I am. He'll be... Uh, 38, right? Yeah. If he's 14 years older, then he'll yeah. be 38. Yeah, that's right. it. Absolutely. <laughs> that, uh, no, he's he's eight yeah. years older than I am. Right. So he'll be 74. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I just got to say, it's unbelievably difficult to remember to, to see your brothers and they're 74 and they're going to be 80 yeah and then you know i was just explaining to you that don has been ill yeah and uh i'm not saying he's going to be the first to go but he's the most he's also the unhealthy oldest. no right. no don, oh, he's Don's the, the middle, he's middle one. Oh, i misunderstood he's got the middle brother I see. he's I see. had uh, he had the stroke and right several micro strokes yeah. and, and he can't talk real well and yeah. can't walk and things of that nature so yeah, we were just talking about it, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening right now have walked in my shoes sure. as far as this goes. Sure. And we used to get together every year. Yeah. We'd go to each other's houses. Now, going to Don's house is tough because he lives up in Gillette, Wyoming. Right. And now, if we want to go uh, and have him around, we have to go because right. he can't travel. Right. Uh, and the problem is, is that I just feel it would be tough on his wife, Lee, because you got not only me and and my wife, then you got Johnny and his wife, and probably some of uh, Don's kids would want to come to see us because they don't get to see us that often. My nephews and nieces, and I, I just don't want to lay that all on him. Yeah. And he can't communicate real well, 
And I just think that I wouldn't want my own brothers. Well, you should. What you should do, I that. think, is you should. Uh, each bro- each of the other two brothers should maybe swing by as part of a trip somewhere. So you stop in for half a day and you yeah. know, see them, and you bring lunch over or whatever, you know. And everybody sits down, and maybe the the kids come over for lunch, and then everybody leaves, and that's yeah, the end of it. That's you kind know? of the way it's going to have to yeah. to be. Uh, you know, and we'll, then you go off. We'll you know, go it's on and, the way to somewhere else. Yeah, we'll just go up and visit up in the northwest. Exactly. You know, do exactly. our thing because they're just down the road from from uh, not the Grand Canyon, but uh, Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So you so make I can a trip go to Yellowstone, the to Yellowstone and hope that uh, you know, hope right. that the volcano goes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And stop in for half a day. I think yeah. that, that's the kind of uh, that. Know, when balance. you say that, that makes me think of Guam. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the way you said hello, half a day. You know, oh, is that right? I I always said that's what the Guamanians work. Half a day. Half a day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they work. Did you see the story? And I'll come back to this other story that we got about. And it was in the uh, L.A. Times. Now, this is one of the most liberal cities in the country, oh, yeah. controlled by liberals. Oh yeah. Have you seen how dirty? L.A. is now? Well, like three cops got typhus. Did you see that? Yes. There was an article about it's three cops. It's disgusting. Typhus. I thought typhus was gone. Not when you let people just live all yeah. over the streets yeah. and they pee and poop on the streets and it's disgusting. Yeah. No, it's terrible. Uh, there was a huge outbreak in Europe of uh, typhoid uh, during World War II because, of course, there was war. Yeah. And there was famine and starvation and all those things. My grandmother uh, on my mo- on my father's side died at, at a young age uh, from typhoid during the war, during uh, World War II. And I saw the stats, and it was during the year in which the amount of typhoid went up by like a thousand percent. Yeah, and and now in L.A. Yeah, really in L.A. L.A. San Francisco, yeah. they got all these homeless yeah. people. Now I got to ask: the courts have ruled. All right, that homeless people, you can't make them just move and things of that nature. So what do you do with them? Well, let's let's be clear, and I, I take your point. They, they have certain, certainly acknowledge certain basic rights for homeless folks, but by the same token, California has taken it to an extreme. They, they are doing things, uh, it's not only homeless, by the way, which is really a tragedy, but some people who are, are not homeless, but they're doing... Yeah behaviors out there that are just ridiculous uh and so there's a lack of basic law and order going on and uh, add to that uh no concern about the immigration crisis no they're bringing them in by the truckloads basically so guess what that's what happens when you vote for leftist administrations yes it is it is absolutely that simple so do you think it's how how bad it's going to be? It's gotten bad enough in San Francisco that they have a uh, a division for street cleaning. They go out with hoses in the morning and they hose off all the defecations. Yeah, yeah, that have happened there, overnight. You've heard of brownstones in New York, and they and they're called brownstones. They're these um, like you know triplex apartment houses, homes that were built in the 1800s uh, that were built from a stone that was brownish in color. But what's mm-hmm. interesting about their design is generally you've got to walk up, let's say, a dozen steps to get to the first level 
You right. Know? And it's like, well, why would you build a house where the first level is not on the street? It's a lot of work to have to go up and down, groceries, whatever. And it was designed that way because that's when there was horses and buggies. And the streets were flooded with horse manure. Yeah. Quite literally. Now, obviously, that was a byproduct of the fact that the, the latest innovation of transportation was the horse. Well, guess what? We did away with the horse and we got the humans pooping in the streets. Yeah. Pooping in the streets. That's what the left has come to. It's remarkable. Yeah, I agree. It's really remarkable. I mean, I, I'll never forget the first time I went to New York and I stayed at the, uh, what's the big uh, special motel there right by Central Park? The Ritz? The Ritz, the, the Ritz is, is uh, the plaza is right next to that. Okay, well, that must have been where yeah. I was at. I was brought there because I won the uh, national award for best coverage of women's sports. That's great. In America, right. and I got a real nice bronze clock and right. sat next to Susan Butcher, who was an Olympian and all kinds of stuff. And went to little Italy and, and partied with Olympians that night and stuff. It's a great time. Yeah. I had a great time. Yeah. But I'll never forget, it's the first time, two things. All right, just show you how kind of on the wrong side of the street I was born. Uh, they came to my room, and they asked if they could turn down my bed. And I said, no, I'm able to do that. That's what I answered. So they, right. they just looked at me like I'm out of my mind. Right, right. And I didn't realize that was. And now this is when I'm in my early 30s, okay? That tells you I, I didn't have no silver spoon or gold spoon either one in my mouth well you're not you're not the beneficiary of white privilege yeah evidently i I wasn't it wasn't all handed to you just because of the color of your skin the other thing that blew me away robert you'll love this i walked out and they had just started a few years before evidently all the horses had bags on their butts yeah poop catchers (laughs) oh yeah i walked out and i just started cracking i was just Uh laughing my head off. oh yeah but boy, Central Park is a beautiful it's park. It's absolutely gorgeous. You know, it's, the, it's, it's only bigger than one other park in the United States. You know what that park is? No. Burns Park. Burns Park is bigger. Is that right? No, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Here it's underwater the, now. Yeah, it's underwater. You can go canoeing <laughs> Does that sure count? right now. But I'm just right. saying. Burns Park is actually Burns beautiful Burns Park is well, huge. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. It's very, very big. But you yeah. know, that was interesting. Uh, like I said, there's. it took me a long time to... Figure out the highfalutin side of society. You know, I thought I was dressing nice when I wore a three-piece suit, and I'd see these suits that guys were dressing in silk and stuff. I'm going, man, I'm not even in their league. You know, that's kind of kind of interesting. All right, let's get a break in real quick, and we'll finish up this. Now, don't forget, Joe's coming up, Conduit News, and I know he wants to talk about uh, taxes some, but we want to talk also about road construction and i've been wanting to say some stuff but i'm holding my holding my uh, powder right now because there's stuff to be said but my biggest thing to be said right now is i gotta think that some things that the legislature wants to do and the governor wants to do may change with all the flooding that's happening you don't have a 500 year flood every year thus they call it a 500 year flood you know, when you claim your Social Security benefits, uh, you could trigger an avalanche of taxes, double your Medicare premiums, forfeit thousands of dollars in spousal benefits. And ultimately, your benefits could wind up being a fraction of what they were supposed to be. 
You can learn how you could avoid that at an educational workshop, Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas. going to be on Tuesday, June the 11th. That is a week from tomorrow. Or Thursday, June the 13th at 6 p.m. Hosted by uh, David, who uh, hosts the David Lucas Show here on 101.1. The answer on Saturdays at uh, 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Tickets, just $20. Come with a money-back guarantee. Register at 501-653-6690. You'll learn the little-known strategies that could help you get more out of your benefits. And there are things you're going to learn that the Social Security Administration would never tell you. Can't tell you, to be honest with you. Call 501-653-6690. Again, 501-653-6690. You can also register online at davidlucasfinancial.com. Exam. Believe that part because I think that part. Yeah, I don't. Okay, we're we're back. We're we're sitting here having a great talk about UFOs because they were mentioning them on on Fox, and I do not buy into the whole UFO thing. Okay. And what I said to Dave was, I, I have no idea, but I, I think we can draw a distinction between the. Uh, whether it exists and whether they're coming to trailer parks and doing all sort of all sorts of probing of uh, anal exam. Okay, you oh, see, I was going to leave something to the imagination. Yeah, well, there's nothing to be left. Uh, to exactly. The, I mean, they do. They do all. That's the number one medical procedure. Supposedly, they do. Maybe they've got some sort of problem they need to fix. No, I figure we might be able to help know. them. Chronic constipation or something. Yeah, we'll give him a bunch of Metamucil or something like that. (laughs) It ain't right. Let's go back to this story about uh, this uh, suit targeting changes to UA tenure. Right. Here's what the story said. Go ahead. Yeah, please. University of Arkansas system revision to the faculty tenure policy violates faculty due process rights by retroactively modifying faculty contracts with their employers. A federal lawsuit filed Friday afternoon states... Three faculty members at three UA system institutions filed the lawsuit over the revised policy. And you predicted this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I know some of these folks. Like, it's not what they, they were talking about this for some time now. So there's nothing new. That's what I told the legislature. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, <coughs> and so uh, if had we finished fixed it legislatively, that would have taken care of the problem. It's a simple notion that a contract is a contract and one party to a contract can't change it. Otherwise, you could go to a car dealership, order a blue car, and they can show up with a red car and they say, well, we changed it on you. (laughs) So obviously, they can't change it. It's not a contract for life, but it is a contract for cause, which means they can't fire you just because they decide they don't need your services anymore. They can only fire you if you do something that's in in contravention of the contract. It's not complicated. And as I mentioned, CEOs and other big wigs at major corporations and, by the way, sports people as well have similar provisions in their contracts. That's what it means to be to have a contract for employment versus to be simply an employee as at will. I've been both uh, and I know the difference. And 
a core component of being an academic is the notion of academic freedom, which is a fancy way of simply saying I'm allowed to say what I believe. And you know who the minorities in higher education sure. are, Dave. They're it's, liberal right now. Right, right. It's all liberals there. So the minority are conservatives. That changed a long time ago. A long time ago. And so the, the minority are conservatives. And they quite literally put in a pro- provision. I shouldn't say maybe literally because I don't have all the words in front of me. But they put in a provision that says they can fire you if you're disruptive to the operations well conservatives by definition are disruptive to liberal operations that's our design that's our premise what you want is specific language of why they can attack you and then you can really attack them in court yeah, exactly. I mean, it's seriously. Right, right. No, it's right. I mean, it's 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 remarkable how transparent the effort was to bring about this change so that they could tamp down on dissenters. There, there are actually two types of dissenters. There are conservatives, and then there are kind of uh, people who uh, oppose certain actions of the administration for non-political grounds. But both of them are the are the province of academics because it's supposed to be faculty governance. These uh, uh, often across the country, administrators uh, have come to um, deny that fact. Uh, but there was a school up in Vermont that just got dinged by an accrediting organization for not following faculty governance. It's not run top down. That's it. I mean, it's a different story. So people say, "Well, in a corporation, it's not. It's not run like a corporation. It's run like a like a um, government." A co-op. Well, I know, but it's, uh, it's run like, like the a government, co-op, meaning that it's it's run it's faculty governance, and so if they want to uh, uh, stop, if administrators want to stop faculty from talking, well, they better come up with new contracts for new people because the old contracts don't allow for that, and their attempts to change it is simply a violation of the law, and that's why a lawsuit's being pursued now. It would have been cheaper to do it by legislation; it didn't go through. So be it. I'm not bemoaning that fact. I'm just saying that was one alternative. We tried it; it wasn't successful either. They they weren't listening. Yeah. They you know never what? listened. And you know what? Maybe I didn't explain it clear enough. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it didn't go through. And uh, hey, You've been on my show many a time. Yeah. If I can understand yeah. it. Well, Anybody can understand. Uh, I, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, I love the folks over there in the legislature, but uh, that uh, maybe sometimes you've got a better handle on some of the issues than at least some of them. So uh, we'll we'll leave it at that in terms of that. And of course, the lefties are generally in bed with the uh, academic industrial complex across the country, and so they're not going to support a bill. That, look, the notion of enforcing contract rights is a conservative notion. It's not oh liberal. yeah, absolutely. That's not a liberal notion. That's a conservative. No. If you write a contract with somebody, you have to keep it. It's a solemn uh, pledge, and they want to back out of those contracts, and that's all this lawsuit is about. So it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some expenditure uh, on both sides by the university now and uh, and by – And they're going to lose. Well, I I, 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 I think firmly right. believe I, they will lose. I, I think that is correct. But, of course, we can't oh, – you know, it's – However, they could get in front of one of their liberal judges and, and win could be. Well, and then a shot appeal. at it. And then you appeal. Right? And I'll tell you this. You know what's not liberal? The Eighth Circuit. That's the next level up. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot to consider here. What do you think about the president making the statement a few weeks ago that he was going and has been working at flipping the Ninth Circus out there? 
Now, yeah. I know it's circuit, but oh, I always go in a circus. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is that that's been the most liberal court it is. in the union for a that's long, right. long time. That's right. He's putting well, conservatives out there. Well, of now. course he's putting. And so the, the question simply is, how many openings there are, and can he get enough people on that court so that a majority of that court is actually conservative? And that would be remarkable. I don't know how many openings there are. Uh, it really would be, oh, it'd be something, wouldn't it? Would, it would be not? amazing. And Feinstein and all the lefties out there would, would lose it for sure. There'd be a whole lot of Sanford and Son chest grabbing. Exactly. I'm coming, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm way, coming. While we got a few moments, you yeah. were telling me something about ABC showed an All in the Family and a they Jefferson's? Did, they did a, a remake of All in the Family oh, and the Jefferson's. Remake. Yeah. Okay. And, and Norman Lear was there. He's like 93 years old. He looks terrific. Uh, and it was fantastic. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx played uh, Mr. Jefferson. What's it? Yeah. George. George, George Jefferson. Jefferson yeah. and, and the first episode uh, of the one the All in the Family episode was one of the episodes in which George was in the show. Yeah. Uh, and he made a flub in it. And, and, he, and it was live television. So he... he acknowledge the flub in live television um a lot of famous actors and you know i'm terrible with the names of these folks but it was it was actually very very well done who played meathead um who played meathead uh i forget the name of the actor uh, very good uh we'll have to look it up yeah we'll check it out yeah uh it was it was extremely did well they done. do the original script the, on on all in the family was one hundred percent original script, and then I don't know if the Jeffersons was or or was not. I, I'm guessing it wasn't, but I'm not sure. Was there some politically incorrect language in the first one? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a show they couldn't make today. I'm convinced of it. And then could uh, you hear the audience go? <gasps> they were on board with it, which was oh, okay. great. And in the Jeffersons episode, they had the maid uh, come, and they used the actress who was the original actress who was the maid on the oh, Jeffersons. Okay. And, it, and they didn't tell the actors. Like, they had someone else filling in during practice, and then the original actress came back for Everybody the real episode and, and, and surprised them all. And that was really special. And you could tell. I was like, wait, that looks familiar. Who is she? And, and you look it up. you know. And you Can see you it. remember Archie, who played Archie? Yeah. Uh, the, the guy from Cheers, uh, Woody. Who's the actor that, who's Woody? Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson oh, played, yeah, played Archie. Played Archie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about Edith? Yeah. Uh, Edith was, um, oh, what's her name from that, uh, also from uh, The Office, the, the the girl, the redhead with the big teeth. Oh, Hendrix? Uh, no, not Hendrix. Who played, who was the lady, do you know who we're talking about here, Russ? The lady from uh, The Office with the big Kind of the big teeth and stuff like that. I don't remember her name. I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with all okay. the names of the, uh, of the yeah, people I didn't from watch the did you, did you get to see this? I, no, I didn't actually. I wanted to see it, but I didn't get to see it. I Let's didn't even that. know they're, they're doing it. That shows you how much I watch ABC, CBS, and NBC anymore. Well, it, or it, even Fox, yeah, for that matter. It was funny because I didn't know about it, and it took my uh, sister calling me to tell me that um, uh, that it was on. Uh, Wanda Sykes was in it. Oh, okay. Um, um, I'm trying to look up. Okay, we're going to go to break. We'll check it. And yep. just, uh, we'll, yep. we'll have them for you. Joe will be with us from Conduit News. He'll, of course, be very interested in this. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we come back. News is coming your way. Stay tuned. you got more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm just telling uh, Robert. I was going over the top naval forces in the world. 
Let me give you the top five. You ready? Here we go. Number five, Russia. They're fifth. Uh, they got a whole lot of coastline that they need to be out there defending, so they got a large fleet, but they're only the fifth largest. I thought they were like number three. They're number yeah. five. Yeah. Number four, Iran. That should give you some pause. Iran. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not dangerous. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not Let's at just all. send them boatloads of money. No pun intended. Yeah. They've got all that kinds Obama of administration. Stuff out there. Just, just giving away the shop. By the way, they also have three Corvettes in their Navy. <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of funny. Number three. Who would you think is the third? Let's, let, I'm going to bring Joe up here. Hold on. I'm going to bring him up. Joe is here from Conduit News. Joe, who, who, who do you think is the third largest Navy? In the world, I would hope it would be Great Britain. It is not. It is United States. I we're, thought we were number two. Number two is our worst uh, enemy, China. China is number two. Now, I saw what the number one navy was, and I thought I was going to flip out. You know what? Who's got the number one navy in the world? Well, we talk about number one measuring how uh, Num- number of numbers ships or of ships, quality of ships. Number well, just number of ships and whatnot. Uh, North Korea, they have a total of nine hundred and sixty-seven naval assets. Uh, the Korean People Army was made up of twenty-five mine wa- warfare vessels. Two. Corvettes, 10 frigates, 438 patrol crafts, 86 submarines, plus they still have a defense budget of $7.5 billion. Not bad for a little country like that, but they're number one. Unbelievable. That's remarkable. Unbelievable. Doesn't mean you couldn't sink them in 10 minutes, but the bottom line... Bottom line, they're the biggest. I just thought you'd you'd both find that interesting. It's very interesting. Russia's five. Iran is four. Now, Iran has some significant naval vessels. Number three, the United States. Two, China. And China has been building like crazy for years, last 20 years. And, uh, I mean, I'll never forget that admiral saying, you know, L.A. or Taipei, which do you choose? And... uh, the, the biggest number of ships that they've been building, believe it or not, folks, landing craft. Look out. And what, and what country do they want back in their fold, huh? Look out. Can you say Taiwan? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just something to talk. Just something to contemplate. Everybody doesn't. Nobody wants to talk about, you know, don't look this way at China. I'm just telling you, you better be paying attention to China. By the way, guys, Venezuela took a shot to the chin Friday when Russia said they're not offering them any defensive capacity militarily. That is a big shot to Venezuela. At least to the guy that's You ought to have Maduro on the show. Yeah, I should get him on. I I wouldn't be able to understand him. (laughs) He doesn't speak my language, but that's all right. And I don't think a lot of people speak his language. He speaks with a gun. You know, the end of a gun speaks off a lot louder than just words. Okay, Joe, I want to ask you, what 
with all the flooding that's going on in Arkansas right now, it is terrible along the Arkansas River right now in a lot of different places, and it was storming like crazy in Fort Smith today, evidently. My, my question is, the, the legislature has made all kinds of plans of where they want to spend all kinds of money. How will this change things for them? I mean, do they not have to look at this widespread de- de- devastation that's going on and go, we got serious problems here? I was down in Fort Smith Friday and saw the Arkansas River. I grew up there. I saw the Arkansas River and it flooded all the bottoms and, and some of the industry on the sides of the river that I could see from 540. And, you know, obviously in Oklahoma over in Moffitt, you know, that's that's their problem, but, you know, still a problem. You know, I've heard numbers of, you know, 400000 $300,000. I mean, that's not going to really do a whole lot for the, the people affected, I don't suppose. But, you know, all I can say is don't build by a river. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally agree with that. I understand why some people do as far as they're, they're using – the transportation of the river or whatever, especially when it comes to farmers and things of that nature. But I'm I'm 100% agreeable uh, with what you're saying. And, and if you are building by the river, you better have really good insurance coverage. Well, I mean, that's that's the point. I, I, you you remember, uh, who was that, that guy that did those specials years ago? John Stossel. Okay. And, and he, he had a house down on the beach in florida right right and and the government you know paid him to get uh, get it rebuilt a couple of times i think he mentioned that you know if you enjoy the beach and the sunset or you enjoy being on the side of the river or you have a business that makes money on the side of the river that is on you no i i you know that's on you it started they started changing and, and robert you'll probably remember this they started changing their thoughts about giving people flood insurance to the federal government. Remember when the Mississippi overflowed back in the 90s? I mean, it was huge devastation. And some of those people were rebuilding in the exact same place again for the fourth time. And the federal government said, not with our money as far right, as giving right. you uh, insurance. I mean, I and I remember the hue and cry that went up about that. Does everybody else remember that? Yes. Yeah, it should be a one-shot deal. I would agree insurance. with that. I would. I would yeah, agree I remember with that. that flooding. I, mean, I, I was up at St. Louis, uh, and it was up at the steps by the arch. Yep. And, yeah. uh, you know that's what rivers do. Yeah, as much as we think that we can control nature, we find out real quick that when nature wants to control us, it can. Well, I'm not sure that's so, because, you know, I haven't heard it yet, but you know it's global warming. Oh, yeah. We all know that. They'll figure out some way of working that in. There's (laughs) no, no doubt about that any way, shape, or form, but... You know, you said you wanted to talk about the growth of government, and 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 here's a perfect example. This can be used as a growth of government type situation or a not growth for government. I mean, 
maybe you help, but at this point you say, folks, this is the last time. Make other arrangements from now on. Do you think that they'll well, do that? I mean, if, if we've learned anything, we've learned that there'll be a crisis, you know, natural crisis or created crisis, and government will say, we need more money to handle this. And it's a perpetual cycle. It's not, hey, we're, we're going to not be able to do this for you because we're helping the flood victims. It's, we're going to do all these things we're doing. Now we got to have more to help the flood victims. It's always up, never down on the spending. What do you think, Robert? Do you think that the legislators, when they, because they're going to have to come back and deal with this next year. Yeah. Uh, do you think that they'll look at this and go, well, we'll just pay whatever we have to pay, or will, uh, but will they say this is the last time and they're going to change the methodology of making how this help, this happens? I, I can't predict any longer what this legislature is going to do. We talked, um, as you know, you had several shows, special sessions on your show where you brought in state senators, you brought in state representatives, and we graded the legislature. You and I gave them a B minus. Uh, other folks gave them a B, uh, a B or a B Until minus. We, and, and all of us said when we got into money, yeah, D minus or F. We were fact. not. We were not pleased. Let's put it that way. And so I, I can't tell you what they're going to do. Uh, I've said for for the longest time at this point. When people say, well, we need to do it, we need... First of all, there's no such thing anymore as need. It's want. There is a difference. Oh, yeah. Um, and the fact is, whatever we want to do, and those things that we are that are, our, that are our highest priorities, you can call them needs, you can call them whatever you want, um, we overtax our population. Now, I'm not saying there isn't some sort of carve-out somewhere that someone's getting some special benefit on the side. I don't know enough about the tax scheme to say there isn't some sort of corporate cronyistic carve-out that needs to be corrected. But as a general matter, the uh, uh, Arkansas citizens are overtaxed. So when someone comes to me and says, we need money for this or that, the highways or the lowways or the medium ways, whatever it may be, uh, and you need to pay more, my answer is no. Say, but, but, but wait, but wait. It's important. We need it. Nope. Here's the pot of money that you're sapping from my paycheck every month. Uh, you go figure it out. That's what you're hired to do. It's well over half of the money that I earn. So you, you figure it out. Uh, and, and if you can't, well, there's so many important things. Yep. You know, life is about choices. I make choices every day. Where can we cut that perhaps we can cut that we move the money to some other place? But don't come back to me and say to us, we can't cut anywhere because we're not going to buy. Well, Uh, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying a dozen years ago. I saw all these flat screens going up in government buildings just to tell you like where the water cooler was and other irrelevant things you could have put up on a photocopied sheet of paper. And those things were five grand a piece at the time. Now they're cheaper. And all along, I still had my old tube television set because I knew how to conserve. Government doesn't know how to conserve because they, by definition, are spending your money, not their money. One way to at least 
implicate the motive of an individual to make them ha- make government have a sense that they're spending their own monies to tell them, hey, folks, ain't no more coming. That's yeah. it. That's it. Well, they did that with the Mississippi. What do you, what do you what do you think, Joe? Do you think that we might see a little bit of different thinking of saying, okay, yeah, we understand uh, you don't have insurance. Uh, we'll give you a you know a I don't know a low interest you know loan or whatever. But this is the only time, and that's it. Are, is are they going to have that kind of? Well, I mean, just by describing it the way you did, somebody in the government is going to set up a system of managing loans now? Well, they have already. And then if they don't pay it back, then what's the consequence? I mean, the government should be doing nothing more than saying, are you safe? Okay. If you're safe, good. Never build by the river again. That's it. I mean, I know that sounds you know, very harsh to some people. Especially if it's not them that are afflicted, but you know, like you're sitting on the radio and you're you're hearing me say, "Don't help those people." Well, I mean, how many times does it take to learn? I mean, it's e- uh, the easiest thing to do is to help somebody with somebody else's money. No, you're right I mean, about I, that. I guarantee you that the people around them should do the lion's share of the helping because they know who they are. Well, I, and that's the amount of help the public chooses to give. When you move money hundreds of miles away and nobody keeps track of how it's spent, then you know what's going to happen. The same thing that always happens. Well, here's here's what I do know. Churches across Arkansas are rising to the occasion. I know the Baptist uh, folks are, are working. I know my churches are, are working, New Life Church. All kinds of churches are doing what churches are supposed to do in these kinds of situations. So, you know, you you got to try to figure this out. How much government money is necessary? Well, is government's job to indemnify people from any consequence? It's kind of hard to do that. It's kind of hard to do that, isn't it? I mean, they're going to make every person whole for whatever happens to them. I mean, then we can just stop talking about it right now and, you know, last man turn the lights out. Uh, It's it's like, well, and that's what we've been working towards, though, hasn't it, over the last, I don't know, 50 years? That's how we've been working? Nobody should have to go through hard times? Well, $22 trillion later, you know, I mean, if that doesn't matter, then why not make it $42 trillion and, buy everybody a brand new house in the whole country yeah you know a lot of that's got to be energy efficient people people yeah people are thinking what you're saying is ridiculous but it's not if you follow the logic that's been used over the last 40 50 years that's not at all or that you hear from for instance the democratic uh field for president right now you're hearing free college you're hearing Free this will pay off your your student loans and all. Why not feel, pay off my car loan then? Well, I don't know. I mean, we've accepted that government gets in between a tragedy and help, and they 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 are the arbiters of what is reasonable help for people when they should leave it to the neighbors. 
you know, as local as possible, but then they can't get any benefits themselves. I mean, there's always a skim. You know, anything I've learned about looking at the government for the last 10 years is there's always very much inefficient delivery. Just think about Puerto Rico or Haiti, the, you know, how much the Clintons made on the Haiti deal, all the relief funds. You know, that You're right about that. It's going to happen unless the local people are the ones doing the help. And then they're going to want their money spent wisely. All right, Joe, that go ahead. Tragedy has to be mitigated by someone else's money. It, it's going to always end in the same place, and all the politicians from both sides are always going to try to take advantage of the feelings, the emotion, the I'm helping somebody. You know, it's not going to be your, Dave, you're not going to go down there and hand somebody a check in Fort Smith. You know, Matt Pitch is going to be doing it, and he's going to have a camera there when he's doing it with your money. Now you're right about that. I mean, that's, that's the way it works. Don't don't uh, don't uh, disagree with that at all. All right, you hold uh, hold on on the line. We're going to be back with you in just a second. Uh, of course, Joe from uh, the folks at uh, Conduit News, conduitnews.com is their website. You should check it out and read the uh, great articles that they have uh, on their website. Robert Steinbach is here. I'm here. We'll return as we continue the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've just got a minute to go before we get to the uh, news. So I'll hold it here, Joe and uh, and Robert, and then we'll come back and uh, continue our conversation. I think it's a it's what we're talking about is is a simple concept. It's not hard to grasp. How much money are we willing to spend when it comes to um, you know some kind of uh, natural disaster or whatever? What is our part in all of that, and? What are we going to do in our country when anymore it's if you owe, for instance, a college loan, there's people now that say, well, we should pay it for you. And I always ask why you're the one who asked for the money. And what about the guy who just agreed to pay for the college loans at Howard? Those students who actually worked their way through and they're like, wait, so I don't get any money? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about all that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, last half hour of a Monday edition tomorrow. Power panel will be here. Jan Morgan will join us, as well as Paul Calvert. Carl Kimball's in for the vacationing RD. And in the final hour, the Bible guys are going to be here answering all your questions. Don't forget, Guys at SalemLR.com. All right, Joe is here from Conduit News, and uh, we're talking uh, about something that used to be commonsensical, but now when we talk about it, people want to paint you as some kind of non-feeling, ugly person, as if everybody can be helped by the government. I don't believe it can, but... It's changed that people believe this now. Millennials definitely believe this, Robert. Well, you know, Dave, one of the problems with government subsidizing everything is that it leads to bloat and corruption. Not in government, outside government. There was an article just put out by a conservative professor out of Columbia. Hamburger is his name, literally. that's his, His last name is Hamburger. I forget his first name. And he points out 
that the number of administrators in universities across this country have doubled, tripled, quadrupled. Why? Because the government provides student loans to students at a low interest rate, and they're guaranteed essentially to get those loans. So they say, okay, well, I'll take the loan. So the school says, wait a second, we used to charge, I'm making up the numbers, we used to charge 10 grand, but the government says they'll give the student 20 grand. So you know what? Our fee will be 20 grand. And then when they do that, and we've seen this happen oh, yeah. across the board. When we get right. the lot, the the lottery, right? The costs of going to college went up, right? Exactly because they get free money, and so uh, universities across this country uh, get free money. And what have they been spending them on? And uh, bureaucrats, administrators, more and more administrative bloat. I'm not saying, as the article, by the way, from Hamburger says exactly the same thing, that I'm not saying there's a need for no administrators, but how is it that we need four times the administrators that we've had a decade ago? Nonsense. It's make-believe. And that's what Joe says all the time. Of Joe, course. I'll get you in on this. We've talked about this as you – expand things like this they find ways of expanding that's government to always, take it in and that's what admi- administrators are government bureaucrats right i work for the government but i'm a teacher you can call me all sorts of names but you can't call me a bureaucrat so one thing i'm not <laughs> right uh and so uh but they're expanding government bloat. So the federal government guarantees a student uh, extra money. The the school says, there's extra money. Uh, we're going to jack up our tuition and our fees. They do so. They take in the money. And what do they spend it on? More government bloat. Yeah. Rob, I, I mean, Joe, you've been saying this for a long time. Here's your opportunity. This one's in your wheelhouse. Well, well it's, it's fairly obvious. Well, something interesting, Conduit came out with an article not too long ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had done an FOIA, and we had asked uh, the Department of Money, whoever they are, uh, we had asked them, how much revenue did we lose from the military tax cut from 2015 or 2017 or whenever it was? And then how much revenue did we realize from the digital downloads and the tire tax and whatever else was in that thing. And they said they don't track that stuff. So, so individually. So they're so, so they're telling us what is you know, what ways to make money and then you ask them, okay, well, how'd you make money? Oh, we don't know. That's exactly right. And and there's no accountability and, and that's fine. You know, the the voters are supposed to be the accountability. Now, well they, try this back they need people like Conduit, right, in all seriousness. That's why there are intermediate groups like Conduit that say, okay, we're going to aggregate this data for you or tell you that the government isn't tracking the data. The government, you know, it's great. Government makes all these claims all the time. This is what will happen. And then, you know, 20 years later, oh, I guess we were wrong or we don't know or whatever. But it wasn't their money. It's your money. So that's why we need organizations. Not only Conduit. This is not a pitch for Conduit. This is a pitch for all of these types of organizations, including Conduit, that aggregate the data, analyze the data, and share the data. So that's why, for example, your scorecards are important. NRA does scorecards. All these different folks do do scorecards. Some are better. Some are worse. But we need the citizenry to be informed, and this is one way for that to happen. Well, and and that's the thing. That's the we can tie this all together by if if the citizens aren't informed, which for the most part they are not, 
I mean, I, even the Republican apparatus, they're going around the state talking about how they did, there was the greatest session ever and that they didn't raise taxes. And they've got all their slideshows and, and, you know, they're doing their dog and pony show and they're acting like everything's just great. And then they're spending more than ever. Well, you couple that ignorance of the voters and sometimes it's willful ignorance. But you couple that with, I think, what Thomas Jefferson said that the, the most vile form of government is a democracy. And he said that because of something that has been brought to the fore by another English person, uh, I think it was Thatcher, that talked about democracy ends when people realize that they can vote themselves the largesse of the public. So when people realize that they can get free stuff just by voting right, then that's where your democracy comes in. Yeah, that was that was Franklin who said that democracy ceases when you know when people can vote themselves money out of the public treasury. Yeah, exactly exactly right. We're 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 just about there. And if you're ignorant and you just vote for stuff, our country will not last long in that arena. No, absolutely. Look, that's what the left. uh, Don't get me wrong. There's some on the right that have done this, but that the left is about. Well, you've got money. It's like the reverse of the Oprah show. You remember the Oprah, Oprah, and you get a car, you get a car. Now look look, under your seat. Right, look under your seat. Now the left is, and I take your car, and I take your money, and I take your your investments. They just take, 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 and I give it to this guy and that guy, and they think it makes for wealth when it actually diminishes wealth. Well, you'll see that this legislature is trying to sell the concept that they lowered taxes on most people. And, and, you know, I would agree that the tax environment is better for me personally, but that's not sustainable what they've done. And they're moving taxes from one group to the other, and the Democrats get back in charge. They'll move it from one group to the other. But it still does not address the fundamental issue of government taking too much of our money and redistributing it rather than providing the basic services government should offer. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Joe, in addition, and it may be a small point, I know you agree on this, I just think it was such an insult and such a shame. We couldn't even pass the car tax so that if someone buys a car for less than $7,500, used car tax, tax, that they they wouldn't have to pay an additional tax. $7,500, that in these days, I dare say, is not a terribly expensive car, and, and we can't offer that modest uh, relief from taxation. Uh, I, I just thought that. And was why sad. is it they say we can't? We can't because that other money is going to somebody else. It's, it's, it's always going credit. to somebody. It's else. going to somebody it's else. Always going to somebody else. That's the problem. Well, and that's the thing that we hope that our scorecard will shine the brightest light on mm-hmm. is the money. Mm-hmm. And we thought we went into the session thinking, well, the Senate is pretty corrupted by various. You know, at various levels and, you know, various levels of, you know, general corruption versus blatant corruption. Uh, so we, we're not going to get much there. And the House was our hope this year. And the scorecard of the preview seems to indicate the Senate did a pretty poor job. There's not a lot of senators that uh, scored highly in the, in the scorecard. So, it, you know, it's very clear to see the votes. But what will people do with that information? Because what they hear from the people in their district is, here's why we did it, and here's why it's good. And they continue voting the same people in, and that's 
what yeah. you're going to get. Well, you, Joe, you bring up an excellent point. We've talked about it before, and I'm just focusing on one race, but it highlights the issue that Dave and I... Cooper. Cooper, right. Cooper comes in uh, promising to vote no on Obamacare. First thing he does is vote yes on Obamacare. Uh, strike one. Um, and then he votes uh, uh, against the conservatives, against the Republicans, on Stand Your Ground, which 33 states have. And, and no one's telling me that 33 states are all conservative, meaning it's not it's a pretty moderate contention uh, to, to adopt, uh, and Cooper votes against that. And as far as I'm concerned, that strikes two and three. Uh, and so uh, Dave and I, and I believe uh, Conduit, but I'm not putting words in your mouth, of course, Joe, you, you say so otherwise, uh, are supporting um, uh, our buddy Dan Sullivan uh, for that Senate seat up at, where, where is that? Where, what town is it? Jonesboro. It's Jonesboro, right. Craig, uh, yeah, Craighead County. Craighead. That's what I was trying to think of, Craighead, yeah. Um, so uh, you you got to hold them yeah, to yeah, account. Cooper, I mean, Cooper is the poster child for what's wrong with the Republican Party today. <laughs> there you go. That's no, well, there you go. That is not an overstatement there either. There you go. There you go. Because it's just, it, it, it's the hypocrisy. It's the utter, it's one thing to say, I'm running for office. I can't tell you everything I'll do because I don't know what the future will unfold. And I have uh, such and such values, be they conservative for the conservative, leftist for the leftist, whatever. And I will follow those values. But it's another thing to say, on policy X, I intend to vote such and such. And day two, after day one saying that, you say, oh, change my mind. I call that part a lie. Well, sure. That's a lie. And that's not really that difficult when you watch it over time and you see what people say and what they do. It's really clear that they have decided that they're more afraid of the establishment and the political machine in Little Rock than they are the voters. Yeah. Because yeah. the voters won't hold them accountable because they won't pay attention enough. Yeah. And, they, and they're betting on that. Yeah. Well, it's going to seem to be right. I got to tell you, in the primary, it's going to be very interesting. That's coming just around the corner right now around. because yep. November, you know, everybody's got to be named by, um, what, March of next year. We're going to vote yeah. on it. I, I know there's all kinds of uh, information out there that uh, Cooper, things that he said – you know, of how what he was going to do when he was a state senator and yada, yada. I think Dan Sullivan's going to beat him like a bad drum. You know, it's funny. I, I've heard wins, if that's the right term, that um, Cooper's already trying to say, well, Dan Sullivan, he's an extremist. If, being, if sticking to a conservative is extremist, then guilty. If keeping your word is extremist, then guilty. If voting against Obamacare is extremist, then guilty. If voting for Stand Your Ground is extremist, then guilty. If be- believing in conservative and capitalist uh, uh, economics is extremist, as Cooper seems to suggest out on his left wing, then guilty. That's what I say. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree wholeheartedly. By the way, let me mention conduit news and their uh scorecard uh joe and brenda will both be here in studio monday the 17th from three to five and we'll be talking about their uh scorecard and i'll have other people on as well so you hear from everybody basically i'll give a call to senator hendren i'm sure he'll have his scorecard see if he'll come in and sit and talk and we can question him as well there's a lot of things to be discussed here about what's raising a tax and what's not raising a tax, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, you know, the challenge there is uh, vetting the data. Uh, we, we've seen this last last session is, you, you know, the, the, this lie, deceiving by omission is, is almost more uh, corrosive than by commission. You know, you can you you can leave things out, and I noticed yeah. in, in Senator Hendren's presentation, you know, he left out several things that being left out gave you a pretty good picture of what they did. But again, you know, when you get eighty percent of the story, and, and nobody takes the time to fact check it, and nobody cares to follow up or even apply common sense, they just know. You know, he's in the military, and if you disagree with him, then you hate the military. And, you know, and that's where it ends. That's just the way these guys operate. It's going to be interesting. We're looking forward to having you here on the 17th to talk about this, uh, Joe. But I don't see, and count me as a person who has a not bright vision of the future, because as I listen to the Democrats talk and as I listen to millennials who are going to take over for the rest of us here in the next figure 20 years, uh, I don't have a very, uh, you know, uh, positive view of our country unless the millennials suddenly after they have their jobs and they start taking all their money and things of that nature changes their viewpoint. But I, I see no instances of that thus far how do you feel joe i mean you and i will probably we'll probably be taking the dirt nap by the time that happens but here's the key i'd like to know that when i leave this earth you know our country is still going to be standing yeah and that's the exact same reasoning i have i have nothing to gain by being involved with conduit absolutely nothing and and it's way more a negative but I'll tell you, I mean, you talk about nationally versus state. I mean, the Democrats, the party is irrelevant in the state of Arkansas. I'm not worried about them one bit. I mean, people reject their uh, law, their lawmaking and their policy. I'm worried about the Republicans. They say one thing and do something else, and we continue to elect them. Uh, that's more of a danger than knowing who your enemy is. No, we can't. You can't. We can't. You know, disregard that. I mean, seriously, you're right. I think that we have made some strides forward. I know we lost some people on the Senate side, but I think we've gathered some on the House side. When we come back, we'll finish up talking about this on the Dave Ellswick Show. Quick break, and then we'll finish it up. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to finish it up. Let me remind you again. Circle your calendar that Joe and Brenda will be here on the 17th of this month to talk about the uh, Conduit News uh, you know, scorecard. And they'll explain how they put it together, and they'll talk about what the findings are, and we'll talk about it and give you an opportunity to call in if you got questions, things of that nature. But I, w- I want to finish up here on, on the show. As we come back, we got the last few minutes. Uh, you know, Joe, the question is, how do, when you look at the electorate, we think that Arkansas is not changing uh, and that people aren't talking like they do nationally. And I I disagree with that. I think Arkansas's electorate in their thought processes uh, are going 
are, are starting to show the same kind of things that we're seeing from uh, you know the millennials and stuff. Front page of the paper today. Where was it? Uh, was it's in the B section? Sorry. In-state RX pot sales, just in two locations now, tops 100 pounds. Now, for everybody who thinks that I'm nuts, I'm just telling you, Couch is going to run this on the ballot in 2019. I see it coming for recreational marijuana. I'm just telling you, it's going to pass. What do you think? Well, when you talk to the average voter out there, and and not the newspapers and and the the loudmouths and the college people that get all the attention, but the average voter in Arkansas wants to be left alone by government. They realize government's too big, and it's only going to get worse. What we've seen in the past eight years, brought to you by Republicans, is an embrace of Obamacare, wasn't widely demanded by the people. It was demanded by a few people and the Republicans accommodated it and they have acknowledged and they are acknowledging by every action they take as a whole that government must continue to grow, which in my view is an admission that government cannot be successful on any of its missions or else the missions would be accomplished and they would recede so they can't be successful in any welfare program because it continues to grow not get smaller their highway funding mechanisms are not adequate or they waste it and they come up with new ways to spend any spare money they have i mean we've got a runaway irresponsible republican-led government now i'm not saying that the democrats will do any better but my god stop saying one thing and doing another tell the be honest with the people and the people need to wake up and see what's going on around them all right do the math joe from conduit news conduitnews.com is the website joe i gotta let you go we'll get together you, again sir. next week and uh, we'll see you on the 17th all right looking forward to it dave all right thank you very much all right joe here on the uh, the dave ellswick show conduitnews.com a lot of people say oh they're always negative well they're trying to hold people accountable and a lot of people getting held accountable they don't like it be honest they don't they don't like it well we talk you and i dave have talked on your show uh several times about while we uh, still think that a, a republican a bad republican is better than a the best a, right, democrat the so-called best i mean how do you measure best right but the, the uh, <laughs> on the left um but with that said we are now confronted. We have a great example where we've got two Republicans, one conservative, Cooper versus uh, Sullivan. And mm-hmm. now we have an easy choice. And the point is we're not staying loyal to the establishment. We don't have a loyalty to the establishment. Nope. We're not staying loyal to the party because the party doesn't have a preference in any event. We are loyal to the conservative, and the conservative is Dan Sullivan, no not John doubt. Cooper. That's just math. No doubt. It's been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. So if you live up in Craighead County, if uh, you're in the Jonesboro area. If you know anybody up there. You need to be going for Dan and help him out. You know, yeah. donate a few dollars to do that. Put it on your website, your, you know, the Facebook and that yeah. kind of thing. I don't have anything to say about the guys who are trying to replace uh, Dan Sullivan. I will find out. And yeah. we will have uh, suggestions for you as, as far as that goes. I typically stay out of some of this stuff. 
But some of it I got to get involved in because we need good conservatives in uh, the Senate now. We really, really do. We've got a few. We got a few. We need a whole lot more. We got a bunch of moderates and some Dems, and you know, we got we got to tighten it up. I agree. All right, we're out of time. I got to get out of here. Thank you for coming, Robert. God bless. I'll see you next week. Yep. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.